Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Beyond the Album Cover with Jarrell Mason, where I get inside the entertainment industry with those in the know and give them their flowers while they're here to be celebrated. With me right now, I have a man who I've known for years since my days at UNCG. Shout out to CJ, who is DJ Earn's cousin. We're former co-workers and I'm going to try to keep a straight face during this interview because it's going to be a lot of inside jokes, a lot of funny stuff. So if you hear me laughing during this interview, you know why. I'm with the one and only DJ Earn, Earn, Earn on Beyond the yeah. Album Cover. Welcome, DJ Earn. Yo, what's happening? What's happening, J. Mace? Man, been a minute. I know it's been a minute, man. I moved out to the other side of the country and um, I hardly get to uh, talk to you no more, man. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. I see you doing your thing over there, though. I'm proud of you, homie. Like, you're, you're doing big things over there on the west side. Nah, man, I'm trying to get like you, man. <laughs> get like me. I, yeah, I'm trying and to be little DJ North Carolina. Yeah, I'm trying to be big yeah. time like DJ Earn put out a TNT mixtape. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't put out a TNT. It's been, uh, it's probably been about five years, maybe four or five years since I put out a TNT series. Yeah, you should so. put out a quarantine and chill mixtape or something because I know that DJs right now are bone dry because clubs are not open depending on where you are. And then yeah. Instagram, Facebook, they're coming after DJs muting live mixes. So how's that been for you knowing that the club scene is kind of dry because of COVID and then social media with copyrights getting blocked and muting live mixes on social media? Well, well, with uh, with the club scene, it's it's been different. You know, uh, I, I like to call him Daddy Roy. Daddy Roy really uh, really clamped it down for the nightlife here in North Carolina. So uh, it, it's been it's been a little difficult to to move around and make things happen as far as nightclubs is going. There are clubs that are open. There are some that are you know are following social distancing rules, and some that aren't. And it's sometimes kind of difficult to kind of navigate that navigate which one are and which ones aren't. Uh, so right now I, I'm very selective on events I do. Usually time if I do an event, it's either corporate wedding um, or I have to be really comfortable with the venue. Uh, usually that means outside. And since it's winter now, you know, nobody's really doing any outside events. Yeah, because we know once the spring and the summer, the weather gets warmer, we probably may see some folks have yard parties. Now, if you're not from the country, a yard party is go to somebody's <laughs> house with a backyard, pull up a tent, bring out the DJ equipment, tie a bag yes. around the tree. It's BYO. Yes. Bring your own body, bring your own bottle, yes. bring your own bag. That's right. You got to bring your own because you ain't drinking up auntie's uh, special you know, concoction. You know, she might have that moonshine. You know, you might not leave a parking lot. <laughs> you might not leave the driveway. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, make you want oh to do the my. Oh, man. Make you want to do the hook a buck and pass out on your own juices. Oh, that's that's a fact. You know, you got to throw on some of that Southern, that good old Southern soul and, you know, just get out there. You ain't no, you know, once the uncles get out there and get to drinking, you never know what'll happen. Yep, I tell yep. you, that's fun times. Yeah, that Bobby Blue Bland, members only, Miller Jackson, <laughs> Clarence Carter, Play some spades yeah. in that Miller Junior draft. Yeah, get some of them them new school slides, man. Woo-wee. Mm-hmm. Ain't no telling what you what you throwing some pokey and some Marvin C's, you know, throwing <laughs> some TK Mr. C. Yep. All of them. Yeah, so for those of you that are not from the South and don't really know Southern Soul, Southern Soul is a Southern staple where if you listen to Clarence Carter, Millie Jackson, yep. Boy C. 
uh, ZZ Taylor, yeah. Johnny Taylor. It's pretty much a staple in growing up in the South, and it's after eight or nine o'clock in cookouts. Imagine if it, Southern Soul is like, imagine if Chris Brown <laughs> made records. Imagine if Chris Brown was 65 years old and still making the same exact records he's making today. That is Southern Soul. You know. Imagine if Rihanna was your grandma. I, I don't know why I used the Chris Brown and Rihanna reference. Was, you know, a scissor or, you know, uh, Ella May. Imagine if Ella May was like seven, you know, uh, Auntie Ella May <laughs> or Grandma Ella May. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's that's Southern Soul, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen this video on YouTube, Burn, but there's this video of this little white boy from Macon, Georgia. It was intermission of, I guess, a little league baseball game. And he was entertaining the folks by singing Marvin C's Candy Liquor. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that one. I've seen that one. Yeah, yeah you like, got uh, Bishop Bull. You know, another one's Bishop Bullwinkle. Uh, he he was really big down there. You know, I think he passed away. Yeah, Bishop so yeah, Bullwinkle. Bishop Bullwinkle was. Yeah, yeah. You know, he had the, the hell now to the now now now. That one, that was that was Bishop Bullwinkle. Yeah, because you know, he had some, he had some records. Liquor, yeah, because when Candy Liquor came out, it was one of those records where you had to sneak in here when the adults were around, or pretend <laughs> you be sleeping, like, boy, get back in that bedroom. I ain't tell you to yeah. come out. I'll bring you oh, some that's a, Absolute fat. Absolute fat. <laughs> man, I can, I can tell this, oh my this, God. this is going to be fun, man. But um, explain to the people, how did you get started in DJing growing up in uh, Gates County, North Carolina? Well, uh, my dad was a DJ, and uh, I, I kind of figured it was kind of it was kind of in the linearity of, uh, of me going down that route. And, you know, I, I was really kind of pushing towards being a radio personality. I wasn't thinking about, you know, you know, doing turntablism or anything like that or make shows, but it just kind of came out. And probably my, I want to say it was my junior or senior year in high school, a good friend of mine that lived literally around the corner in Gates County. And the thing about Gates County is nobody lives around the corner. But for some reason, this guy lived literally around the corner. I could walk to his house and you can't walk to anybody's house in Gates County. Uh, His name is DJ Sal. And, uh, you know, I started, you know, Sal used to give me mixtapes. And then, like, you know, I would go to his house and hang out. And, you know, there was a time where I was running some stuff and we used to play his mixes on my equipment. Well, equipment, you know. I, I, the statute of limitations is probably over by this point, but we, we're just going to leave it like that, you know. Um, you know, but, you know, you could, you know, if you had the right equipment, you could listen to said information that was being offered. So uh, that's how I linked up with Sal. Then when I went off to college, you know, I kind of put it on the back burner a little bit. Then probably around the summer of 04, I really started taking it serious and got my first set of uh, turntables. And um, from there, it was just kind of going back and forth and then doing Serato. And, and that's, how, that's how things kind of got started. Right around 04 is when I really got professional. Mm-hmm. Now, for those you don't know about North Carolina, Gates County, it is very, very country, very rural. The Great Dismal Swamp is a spot where yep. you don't want to get caught with no gas and a flat. And no, 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 no. Service. Yeah, the Dismal Swamp, uh, is, is, is how you get from 
uh, Gates County into Elizabeth City. It's a major route, uh, you know, from from getting anywhere into Elizabeth City, especially in the northeast corner of the state. But yeah, the Dismal Swamp was about ten miles long, and it's it's a two lane road. There's no shoulders, so if anything happens, you're literally stuck on the road. Uh, there's nowhere to go. Like both sides are swamp. You know, it's it's really you know kind of not an area you want to be going through late at night. And I have gone through there late at night. And one thing somebody, and somebody won't tell you this until you actually experience it. You go through the dismal swamp and you see lights out, you know, in the swamp, you're like, there's nobody out there. Why am I seeing lights? But it's swamp gas. It's, it's a real thing. Um, and I used to see it cause I used to uh, hang out with a guy at a radio station in Elizabeth city, uh, WGAI. And I used to go over there and, you know, just hang out with, with the folks over there. And, and I got, you know, I did some projects for high school, but yeah, I used to hang out there late at night and have to drive back through the dismal swamp to get back home. And it was not a fun drive. Not at all. Yeah. It kind of sound like the drive up uh, highway 550 in Mexico, where you want to get through it when you have some daylight, because at night it's no lights. The only lights that you see are the lights from the cars. Right. Right. That's exactly, that's exactly the dismal swamp. Now, where I grew up in North Carolina, it was west of where DJ Earn grew up. Now, the one thing I found interesting about both our areas of North Carolina is that we're close to the borders of Virginia, Central Virginia, yes. Richmond, Petersburg, my neck of the woods, and your neck of the woods, mm-hmm. Hampton Roads area, Tywood, yes. Newport yep. News, Norfolk, yes. Virginia Beach, Hampton. So growing up around Gates and Hereford, you guys got to hear a lot of the radio stations out of the Tidewater area, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Tidewater area. That was that was my area, man. Like, and that influenced me a lot as a DJ because um back then I was listening to DJ B was big, uh the Buddha Brothers, uh, I see who else, Baby Drew. Um, my God, there were so many. I think Puff Dragon even was doing shows out there. And there's not DJ Karee. Um, there were so many DJs that I knew from from out there. Uh, DJ Hutch uh, over at, over at Hot 102.1, and uh, yeah, I think yeah, Hutch was at Hot 102.1. So was uh, Baby Drew, which was Chris Brown's DJ. He was over there, and there was a few others too. And uh, my boy Sal ended up getting over there at Hot 102.1. Actually, uh, hung out with him several times when uh when he, when he went out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't really get to hear a lot of the Tide Water radio stations unless I went to go spend the summers with my dad when he used to live in Newport News. So a lot of uh, 103 jams, and then of course the major Tide yes. station out of Hampton Road. Yes. But I grew up listening yes. to a lot of Foxy 107, 104, K97.5 out of Raleigh, yeah, Durham. Yeah. And then depending yeah. on what day it is, you would get radio stations in and around Petersburg and Richmond. Yeah, 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 that is true. That is true. Uh, 103 Jams, the mixers up there, they were really turntable oriented. So you got a lot of scratching, you got a lot of cutting. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to scratch. I wanted to cut. And, um, and you know, there was a period of time where I also lived in Raleigh uh, from when I was about, let's see, four years old till 12 or so. And when I lived in Raleigh, my biggest influence was 102 Jams, and Foxy 99. This was so long ago. This is when they were still going by 99 won the Fox. So it was getting people confused because they were like Foxy 107, 104, 99 won the Fox. And that's when they started changing up and started calling like Foxy 99. So that was, those stations uh, was really what influenced me a lot because I want to be like the DJs on them stations, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Foxy 99, the big stick down in Fayette, now, yes. a.k.a. Fayetteville. Now, I had a chance yes. to interview Cy Young, who was on Foxy 107, 104, and K97.5, uh -huh. and it was telling me that K97 was coming in so strong that the general manager at the time of Power 97, this was before they switched to 97.1 WQMG Urban AC, K97 was blasting in their studio, and that's how strong they were coming in from Raleigh Durham bleeding over into the triad. Yeah, 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 I can believe that. Yeah, they were a 100,000 watt radio station, and uh, and back then, QMG was 100,000 watts, but they were on the east side of Greensboro, so by them being on the east side of Greensboro, they they would have a strong signal. And back at that time, K97.5 had a great signal coming out of uh, coming out of Creedmoor, their towers in Creedmoor. And uh, think about 10 years ago, they moved it to uh, Durham. Yeah, because when I interviewed Cy, he was telling me that it was right around that time frame where they changed the city of license and dropped their wattage. So that's why and yep. my neck yep. was at NC. You couldn't really pick them up and you can only start picking them up once you hit Warren County on. Yep, yep, yep. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So everything's you, in Durham now. Yeah, up until you get around, I'll say maybe you can hear them in Orange County, but once you hit mm -hmm. Alamance, that's when their signal starts to go out yeah. and you started picking up radio stations from the triad. Yeah, because they were so far away from they were so far away from Raleigh being all the way up in Creedmoor. They had issues on the south side of Raleigh. You know, South Raleigh had couldn't really pick up K97.5 too well until they moved it to Durham. That was the trade-off. Yeah, they yeah they lost you know Virginia, but they were able to get that close-in city like Raleigh and Fuquay Verena, and all those you know all those towns down there on the south side like Clayton and all that that couldn't pick them up before. Mm -hmm. And what would you say would be the difference between let's say radio from the Triangle area, Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill surrounding areas, and then radio stations from the eastern side of the state, like out of Rocky Mount, Greenville, New Bern? Uh, I would say Rocky Mount, Greenville, New Bern, they were a little bit more conservative uh, than, let's say, the central part of the state or Virginia. Uh, it, it was it was a bit more conservative. It was laid back. It was still good radio, though. Don't get it twisted. Like One of the best stations I heard, you know, from back then was uh, uh, Soul 92. I mean, they were, you know, they were legendary. That station is a le legendary, uh, you know, hip hop station. Uh, you know, you just noticed back then um, they, they were a little bit more conservative, but it was still good radio, still really good radio, even, even from them and Kiss, Kiss 1019. You know, they were Urban AC. Man, they were, whew, that was a good station right there. Yeah, because I can remember hearing about Soul 92 from one of our former co-workers, uh, D-Train, because he was sharing with us the story yes. about how yes. he helped put Terrence J on, and that was one of the stations that Terrence J got it started, because, you know, Terrence J is from Rocky Mountain. Yeah, 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 that's right. All right, so you went to school at A&T, correct? Yes, yep, sure did. Now, did you have a chance to get on WNAA? Uh, no, I didn't. I actually uh, auditioned for WNIA and, uh, you know, I, I didn't make the cut. It, you know, it happens. Um, but yeah, I did. I did audition at, at, at WNIA. And I was uh, even before then, I was doing commercial radio back in my hometown. Uh, but, you know, you know, WNIA was even was a powerhouse even back then, you know, you know, so uh, I wasn't a mass communication journalism major. So that was already one notch against it. And, you know, the style of radio I did was completely different than how they were doing stuff in Greensboro at the time. 
Yeah, because if you listen to WNEA, their format to me kind of puts you in the mind of what WHUR is for Howard, where it was more adult, urban oriented and not really very student friendly. While at WAG, it was a hodgepodge because you had a mix of people from the community plus students. And depending on what time of day, you would hear hip hop, R&B, Americana, folk mm-hmm. yeah mix. yeah 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 wnaa was alumni driven wuag was student driven so that made a big difference in how the station sounded right and then also you had wqfs out of uh, gifford college as well yes yes and they're student driven yeah mm-hmm. so it's kind of crazy both of us went to school up in the triad and you think about all of those schools that's within that vicinity like we mentioned ant uncg up 40, you have Winston-Salem State, Wake Forest University, and yes. Elon, and you're not that far of a drive from all the schools in the Raleigh-Durham area. Then, of course, you're an hour 30 minutes from Charlotte. Yep, that's right. That's right. Every You can get around the uh, triad pretty quickly. Right. And especially if you know how to drive, because you don't want to be caught on 40 in rush hour when folks are leaving <laughs> or going to work back and forth between Greensboro yeah. and Winston-Salem. Because depending on what side of the city you're on, it's going to be about maybe a 30 to 45 minute drive, especially if you're in rush. It, it used to be really bad when I first moved here, uh, but they traffic has gotten a lot better. Uh, it's even better now since the pandemic because people aren't traveling. A lot of people are working from home. But, uh, you know, generally you can get around the triad pretty easily, uh, even during rush hour. Now, Charlotte, no. Raleigh, no, 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 no. But traffic here isn't that bad. That was one of the things that kind of, you know, lured me to the city. I'm like, man, I can get anywhere I need to go in half hour, 45 minutes. Can't do it in Charlotte or Raleigh. Mm -mm. So tell us about how you get your start working commercial radio back down in Hereford County with uh, it was was it the river or was it WRCS? Uh, I started at WQDK, which uh, which is interesting. Uh, WQDK is country, uh, 99.3 in a Husky. And this, the uh, the sister station was WRCS, which was also in the same building. And what was weird about those two radio stations were uh, they were in the same building, but they had different owners. Uh, usually time, you don't see that. How is that even possible? So, um, Back in the day, back in the late 80s, the stations came up for sale. Both radio stations were owned by the same company and they came up for sale, but they had two different buyers, two different buyers. You know, one buyer came in and said, well, I only want the FM station. I don't want the AM. Then another buyer said, well, I'll buy the AM. So that's that's what ended up happening. But, you know, the owners of the AM station had the building and the tower and the land and the owners of the FM station was renting space from the AM station. So they, you know, it just made things less complex. Just keep everything in the same building back wow. then. But um, uh, my my biggest influence was was a man named Don Upchurch. Um, R.I.P. He passed away about four years ago, and uh, he was good friends with my father, who also worked together at at WQDK. And this was right around probably the late nineties, like ninety eight. I was fourteen. Yeah, fourteen when my father passed. Uh, you know, I stayed in touch with Don a lot. And as soon as I turned 16, it was literally, I, you know, I came in there. He, you know, he put me on the air and, and I was board up in uh, Saturday mornings and I'll also do remotes for them. 
And every now and then, if something went went wrong, because the radio station was on what they call satellite. So there a lot of times there wasn't nobody in the building except maybe the mornings um, where Don did the morning show. And, and that was it. And the rest of the day, it ran off the satellite. And so, uh, you know, I would come in on the weekends, run that. Sometimes I would run the church services on Sunday mornings. Well, one day I was hanging out at the at, you know, in the building and I was talking to, um, uh, Bishop Watford, which is the now owner of, of WRCS. And I asked about, you know, what it would take to get on. He said, well, talk to, uh, to Reverend Wiggins was Reverend Wiggins was the owner, this man named James R. Wiggins and Reverend Wiggins lived next door to the radio station. He actually built a house next door to the radio station. So I, I got off, uh, it was one, one Saturday, I think. And I went next door and I talked to him and sure enough, he put me on the air <laughs> and I got trained and that was, re- you know, and that's how I ended up on WRCS as well. So literally it would be uh, a Saturday morning. I would come in to WQDK around 7 a.m., you know, do my, you know, run, run whatever shows I needed to run. And by 12 or one o'clock, I would do afternoons at WRCS. Mm-hmm. And I did that all the way till I graduated high school. Oh, man, because when you get in radio, normally board opting is your standard entry-level gig where if you're going to have a syndicated show run, you're going to be responsible for making sure that the commercials get played, make sure that you do your weather breaks and the stop sets for the show, make sure that the logs are done and any other automated shows get loaded into the automation system and be sure to set those tones so those commercial breaks can come in. Now, on YouTube, there's an old air check from, I believe, summer of 79 from WRCS out of the Husky with yes. CJ Henderson. Yes, CJ CJ Worthington. Yes, CJ Worthington. Excuse me. Can we yes, talk about CJ. Yes, CJ was a legend there in a Husky. Um, one of my friends, uh, Linda. Lin, well, she used to go by the on-air lane, Linda Lewis. She's actually still involved with the radio station. She's been there since the early '60s, and she's still involved at WRCS. And uh, and I and I talked to her about CJ uh, a few times. And he was, he was revolutionary. I mean, he was, he was a hot starter. I mean, he was fire over there. And back then, you know, AM radio, they were top 40. So WRCS was AM, they were top 40 and WQDK was country. And what's, what's crazy is the country station was automated. They, they were automated. They had, uh, they were, they were country and automated. And everybody was on the AM station because that's where most people were listening in the late seventies, early eighties in North Carolina. It was, they were a little later to progress to FM for music. So, um, but yeah, CJ ended up, uh, I think he ended up doing some, he ended up moving to Richmond and he did radio in Richmond for a while, but as far as I know, he's still alive and uh, uh, still living up in Richmond. Oh, man, because I was listening to the air check, man. Hot sounding station. The song yes. programming was very tight. Yes. You wouldn't even know that this was a small town AM. Yes, yes. And that and that was the thing. Like, even uh, I got some air checks from, uh, from WGAI over in Elizabeth City, and they were the same way. Hot top 40. Hot top 40 back then. And uh, what was interesting, you, you talked about automation doing board hopping. Uh, when I got on WRC, when I got on WQDK, they were fully automated. WRCS was still manual. There was no automation at WRCS at all. Um, they still use carts, uh, CDs. Mo- by that point, CDs was your primary music format. So we were playing music off CDs, church services. Sometimes they came in on cassette. 
Um, we still had real to real decks in the in the control room. Everything was carts. We had a computer there, but they rarely ever used it. Uh, and all they had on it was music. There was no commercials on it. It had a few songs. And the only time we ever used the computer was when, you know, somebody couldn't make an air shift. Wow. And back in the late 70s and early 80s in radio, this was the time when everybody had live bodies in the studio from sunup, yes. sundown. Yes. And if you could afford yes. it, you had what was called a cart carousel where you have all your carts loaded up. It'll look like a reel to reel and make sure that uh -huh. everything plays with the toners. But as you and uh -huh. I both know, the engineers probably were making crazy money during that time since it was unheard of to have stuff run on automation since you had to have live bodies during that time in the studio. Yes, yes, yes. That's very true. Uh, WQDK, uh, when I first got there, they had a cart carousel and they quickly switched over to uh, probably around 2001 or so. They were on the profit automation system, not profit, uh, Phantom. They had Phantom at that time. And that's what they used for a while. And Phantom, Phantom at that time, you know, it was DOS based. So it was all, you know, you had, it was command prompt. You know, the automation was not very intuitive. It basically just played whatever you told it. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I had a, a few interesting experiences with that, with that carousel. And, you know, you had to load it just right or it wouldn't work. Um, you know, you'll put your, put your tapes in there and the, and the machine will run and, then if you didn't balance it right, the wheel would get off kilter and it wouldn't, it would start making all these crazy noises and it wouldn't play anything. <laughs> so you had to be real careful how you loaded it. Man, and we're talking about for those that don't know too much about the broadcasting industry, automation software, because during the late 70s and early 80s, computers and technology still wasn't there, there like it is now. So what yeah, yeah. radio stations used to do was you would have your little box inside the studio and it would have your a songs which would be your power songs your b songs which would be your mids your c's would be your recurrence and you would select the songs based on the order and then you would look at your clock your clock told you okay top of the hour id here stop set at a, 15 past that's right hour, 30 past i'm gonna share some photo i'm gonna share some photos with you over over google this um, is gonna be so much fun yeah, let's see if this, uh, okay. So this is the automation system that WRCS had back in the day. Wow. That's what they used. Um, you know, that's, you know, because there was no such thing as a computer. That's what, you know, that's what they used. I'm trying to find my right scene now. But yeah, so that's what they used um, to play to play the music. All the all the music was on those reel-to-reel -reel tapes and all the commercials were on the, uh, the carousels that you saw at the bottom. And that's what they used. Um, that's so crazy i couldn't have done production work back then because you really had to have a steady hand when yeah with that splice tape and the razor blade yeah yeah that was one morning i came in to do the uh the sign on at wrcs because they were they were a daytime only radio station so you had to come in in the morning and you had to turn on this big box that sat across from the control room and i'm a i, I got all the pictures up and i'll see if i can it, it, the transmitter. So the transmitter sit like this big gray box that sat across from across from the studio. You had to walk in the building and turn that big that big gray box on every morning, and I would play what they call the sign on cart. And one morning I turned the station on, at six a.m. Turned the station on, put the cart in the machine, and it said, "Good morning." <laughs> 
And all this tape came pouring out of the cart machine. <laughs> wow. <laughs> all the, and, and this was, you know, so when people talk about in the day with eight track tapes and the tapes um, eating, you know, have to deal with the tapes eating themselves, that, that was a real thing. And this would happen in radio. Um, so if the tape was all garbled and you couldn't play the sign on or sign off cart, did you have to manually come on there and read it? Uh, I didn't read it. I went to, we had a, another one and I just played the second one until I could figure out what to do. <laughs> and then after I played the second one, I, um, I, I went into music and then I, I went through, uh, finding the sign on cart again. I had to make, I had to re cart it back up again and put it on a new cart. Because that cart was destroyed, you know the tape. The tape had wound all the way out, so it was no good, wow. no good at all. Very crazy, and also American Top Forty was out and still out, but during this time, it was coming in on records. Now there were yes, stories yeah. where they would send the week show to the affiliates, and it would be in the PD's office locked, so the DJs didn't have access to the week show until maybe a day or two prior so that way you could be able to have it on hand so whoever's doing the production can do the local liners local inserts whatever what have you and there was a story in the 1840 book about the 70s or 80s where a few djs said that they were coming in to do their shift of 1840 you know the board op it and the records weren't out so the it was locked in the pd's office so what they had to end up doing was kind of sort of figure out what were the top 40 records that they were playing for that week, see if they had them in the <laughs> yeah. station library and do it manually until the PD came and locked the door and handed them the records for that week's show. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, I can believe that. Uh, I, I had that happen uh, at WQDK. I walked in there one morning and the, uh, the, the, shows, the shows came in on CD and they were locked in the manager's office. You know, they were locking Don's office and, you know, I had to, you know, luckily somebody at WRCS had a key and they got in there and got me the, uh, got me the CD so I could run the show that morning. But yeah, that was, that was real. Actually, let me see if I, I can share a photo of the control room of WQDK from when I worked there. I found that one too. Wow. This uh, is very interesting. Hopefully it was a lot better <laughs> than 99.5s because our studio for those who don't know is like being in a studio, very small very cramped can't fit no more than maybe two or three people in the studio because primarily the ac station and the country station had the so big studios man same spin pots that, like that's the WSMI. board yeah yeah so that's the board it was the gates you know it was a rotary board and you can see the computer in the middle and we still used carts from time to time but yeah that was the control room that's what it looked like when i worked there uh you know that you know, so you had to kind of figure out how to work things, and it works different from a sliding pop board, which uh, you know, most most of us radio folks are used to. So it was real, it was real nostalgic, you know, working back in the day. I'm going through some of the other pictures. This was the uh, uh, this was WRCS at the same time. This was next door, you know. So that was that was what their room looked like, and they had a rotary board as well. Wow, you know, no slide pots. So <laughs> it made for interesting radio and, you know, it, it, it worked. It worked. Yeah. You know, you can make great radio with those. Yeah, you can. You really have to be super tight because if you go back and listen to those golden radio era air checks from AM stations like 93KHJ out of LA, WRKO out of Boston, pretty much those Drake Chenault boss radio stations, it was pretty much yeah. where radio was 
very tight and you really yeah. had to know your stuff. Yeah, so that's what WQDK had. They had they used um they used direction alt. That was the uh that was the tapes. And this was the front of the building. That was the front of the building right there. Oh, wow. So that's that's my first car parked over there on the left hand corner. <laughs> wow. And the studios so, were they were in in a Husky, weren't they? RCS and uh, yeah, yeah, WQDK? yeah, yeah. They were right off Highway 42. They're still there today. Um WQDK moved out, uh, but they're in a little building, probably about a quarter of a mile away. Uh, WRCS is still live from 6 a.m. to 5 p.m. every day. Right. And what was your thoughts when you first heard about the hot hits format with Mike Joseph, where it was pretty much at the top of every hour, you were going to hear the hottest song, no stiff, no recurrence. And the whole point of that <laughs> was we're going to play the hot songs to death and hopefully keep our listenership up. Yeah, you know, the whole 15-minute rule with, you know, trying to keep people engaged. You know, if you don't like that song, hopefully you like the next song. Uh, and, you know, yeah, the top of the hour, that was it. You played that big song at the top of the hour. That was that was classic, classic old school radio right there. And, you know, even today, a lot of a lot of programmers still still go off that rule, you know, big record at the top of the hour. Mm, definitely got to keep keep the people's interest. Now, also during this time, late 70s, early 80s, well, mid 80s, I should say. Hip-hop mm -hmm. and rap started coming into play on radio, but as you and I both know, urban radio was very slow to embrace rap. And the very only way slow. you could hear it was on mixed shows during the weekends, or you had to go on yes. the AM dial to listen to it like out west on the West Coast in California with 1580 Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Do you remember um, WPGC yeah. up, in, uh, up in DC on mm -hmm. 1580? Do you remember when they were hip-hop? Um, no. Yes, there was a period of, period of time when uh, they, they went by the name Flavor 1580. And um, when, I, when I was a kid in the late 90s, when I would go to Gates County, I could pick them up. And I didn't know where they were from. I would just know I would get to Gates County and I was flipping around the radio dial. And I would hit 1580 and I was hearing hip hop and I was hearing the good, the good music. I'm like, yo, what's going on? You know, I'm like, this is crazy. Yeah. So yeah, back in the late night, yeah, back in the mid, you know, this one late, this is mid nineties. Yeah. WPGC 1580 out of, uh, out of New York, uh, AM, not, not 95, five, but, but the AM, the AM station. Man, that's so crazy. I just had, uh, R-Dub on the podcast and we were talking about, uh, power 1490 that he was involved in out of Tucson yeah. and how it was pretty much a mix of hip hop, R&B, dance, and it predated before Hot 97 in New York went from being a freestyle dance format to full-blown hip-hop. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. I believe it. Um, a, lot of, a lot of those stations, I believe, were under the guise of Rhythmic, uh, Rhythmic Top 40. So you heard a lot of those stations kind of dabbling in hip-hop before the Urbans would. Because, you know, as we know, Rhythmic stations cater to the clubs. So they were the stations that were kind of, they were kind of like the party stations because urbans were a little bit more laid back, you know, top forties were really in your face. Um, but the rhythmic was kind of the joining of urban and top 40. Uh, so you saw, I saw a lot, you know, even, you know, you listen to old one or two jams, air checks or hot 97 air checks. And you're like, yo, it's completely different, but you're hearing party records. 
what right. I call party records. Wow. And there's an old air check on YouTube from, I believe, 86 when 103 Jams went by the calls, Wowie, W-O-W-I. And it was interesting yes. right around the mid 80s where you would hear the police, Phil Collins, Madonna, stuff that were pop but had an urban lean to it. And this was before they really started to embrace rap fully so what was what do you think that transition was in radio where we're gonna stop playing the pop urban leaning records and really go full-blown rap alongside with your luthers anita baker sade's and freddie jackson's i mean i was with it you know you know as a kid in the 90s you know i'm with it i wanted to hear my hip-hop records i was tired of hearing luther Benner. i didn't want to hear my parents music i didn't want to hear that you know i wanted to hear you know <laughs> I want to hear Criss Cross and, you know, Another Bad Creation, MC Hammer, <laughs> Vanilla Ice and <laughs> Snow, uh, Ski Low, all these one hit wonders I mentioned, uh, some mix a lot. You know, that's what I wanted to hear. You know, you know, then you get a little deeper. You want to hear some Wu-Tang or, you know, Karis One, Busta Rhymes, all that, you know, I, you know, that's what I wanted to hear. Yeah, because we grew up in the era, era in uh, music and radio in general where, you knew you were listening to an urban AC station because their sweepers or liners would mention no rap or they no would play rap. no rap. <laughs> or what they would do is strong, they <laughs> strong songs. Oh, man. No rap. Now, strong songs. You're that, like, what is a strong song? That I don't know. But the funny thing is that right around the early to mid 90s, if a record had a rap in it, certain stations would play the radio edit without rap. Yes, yes. And that still happens today. There are some urban ACs that do not play rap. Uh, you know, if they have a song that has R&B verse, I mean, a rap verse in it, they will cut it out. I still find few, that uh, odd because our yes, age demographic is, is pretty much yeah. urban AC age now, and we grew up on hip-hop. Yeah. Yeah, we've we have we've aged out of you know aged out of the typical hip hop radio station. So now we're seeing that a lot of urban ACs are now incorporating hip hop into you know into their playlists. And you know one one thing that's really going crazy right now is the, what they call the booming format or old school hip hop format. That those are really taking traction across the country, like the stations that have them. Yeah, that are doing it. Yeah, it's definitely a good mix of. 80s 90s hip-hop because like i stated we are urban ac age now we got adult responsibilities so we want to hear the music from our childhood now do you remember when you and i first met <laughs> yeah at uncg <laughs> yeah i believe we met um i believe was it sheree dennis was in town or yeah, sherry dennis that- yeah Oh yeah, I said Sherry. <laughs> Sherry, yeah, Sherry Dennis was in town. I, I, but I'm not sure if that was the first time we met. I think we may have met beforehand because CJ was here, Who's and you took us to W. Yeah, yeah, my cousin. Yeah, and, and you took us to uh, to WAG, and you were showing us around the radio station. And I think the next time we met was uh, Sherry Dennis, where I met uh, Chris Lee, show smooth. Yeah, who is now the lead sports anchor at uh, WRL. Yes, 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 yes. That's right. Yeah, because I can remember you, me, and CJ, we were eating at what was a restaurant called Filet of Soul that was on Tate Street. It's no longer there, but I remember all three of us eating there, breaking bread and everything. And then the funny thing about, you know, three of us is that once I ended up 
graduating, going back home, CJ was already at 99.5 and called me one day was like, hey, you want to get down? And I was like, I was like, yeah. So boom, there it is. Yep. Yep. Doing your thing. Doing your thing. Right. You were running the morning show, I believe, over there. Yeah. You did some other stuff, too. Yeah, I was I was doing a little bit of everything. I was running Russ Parr. I was board hopping for Runner Rapid Sports, NC State, uh, Carolina over on the AM side and just kept trying to be indispensable to make sure that um, they didn't get rid of me. But before I ended up getting on officially at 995, I, this was back during the days of MySpace and 99.5 had a MySpace page. So I ended up messaging them saying, hey, you guys need an extra hand, blah, blah, blah. And it turned out to be D-Train. D-Train was like, okay, come on down or whatever. And then I came down, never left. And that's how he ended up giving me the nickname and one because I was always at the station just hanging around. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I met D-Train through CJ and uh, D-Train... You know, me and CJ had a chat. I was, this is when I first really started DJing. And, and you know, I was, you know, I asked CJ, you know, do you think I could get on the air over there? And he said, I don't know. Let me talk to D-Train. I was like, D-Train was like, yeah, yeah, do it. I was like, oh, word. <laughs> so I brought my turn. You know, I literally um, brought my equipment in there one day and, and we went live uh, from the country studio. And I guess the rest is history. That was probably like 2005. I want to say that was way back then. Right. So, so was that on the 99.5 jams frequency and you guys were just broadcasting out of PTM studio? Yeah. 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 yeah Me and CJ. Cause CJ was doing, CJ was doing a night show at that time. Mm, yeah. Cause I was thinking the PTM folks would have had a fit had they heard some urban <laughs> on 102.3. What is this? Well, you know, there was something that may have happened that night where we were accidentally routed 99.5 on the PTM. But that's here nor there, and there's no proof of it except for this story. Yeah, that that is the only proof. Now, for those of you that are unfamiliar with small town radio, you're going to be doing a lot of everything. You're going to be board hopping. You're going to be doing sales. You're going to be helping out doing any and everything. And when you're running high school sports or insert college sports team here, you're mainly responsible for making sure that the games get played, make sure that your network and your local commercials get played. And if you had a contract with a major pro team, you had to run the pregame, the game, <laughs> plus the postgame. So I yes. remember back when the Washington football team was on the sports AM this was before it went automated. I would go and work Sunday mornings because this when we had WNVN, which was our local TV station at the time, and they would air breaking news Sunday church services. So I would go run Victory Baptist Church. I would go run Bishop Manning and NC Spin, which was a public affairs talk show, run those three shows. Then going to the AM station, run the Washington football team, pregame, the game, and then the postgame. So I would say it wouldn't be till maybe 1130, 12 o'clock midnight until I left the station. And this was until we had extra hands and we decided like, hey, I'll run the pregame first half of the game. You come in and relieve me at halftime. You run the rest. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, that was that was the good old days. 
yeah, there was nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing that was, uh, nothing that was automated. You had to do everything. The computers, we had computers, but they were, they were very rudimentary. You had to have somebody in there that could do it. You know, this ain't the day now where you can literally, you know, sit it here at your house like me and, and fire off voice tracks <laughs> and just be like, yeah, I ain't got to go anywhere, you know? You literally had to do it yourself. And if you're doing sales, yeah. the key thing is sell, 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 and uh, don't make a difference. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. There was a few times at, at, in a Husky at one time where I, I ended up having to run the um, the Sunday morning gospel show on WQDK, and I got scheduled to work the morning at WRCS the same morning. And um, neither station, uh, you know, to do Sunday mornings on WQDK, it wasn't automated. So I was in there playing the music. And I would have to, and then I realized, oh crap, I got to do the other station too. Like, how am I going to do this? Because they're not automated at all. And it's Sunday morning. So Sunday morning on, on, on a gospel station, they were, they were gospel. And then, so I had to figure out how to be on the air on one and the other at the same time. And I made it work. It was a lot of running back and forth between studios, you know, and watching records and making sure I had enough time, but I made it work. It was pretty, it was kind of cool doing both at the same time. Right. And you also ended up working at a um, big legendary radio station in the triad area of North Carolina, WJMH 102 Jams and being under yes. the village of Mr. Brian Douglas, who got his start on WAPE, the Big Eight down in Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, well, gosh, yeah, I started at, at Jams in, I believe, 08. And that was, that was through Chris Lee. Um, he actually, you know, you know, he was talking, talking to me about it. And, uh, you know, I wasn't really interested in doing it initially. I was kind of was, but kind of wasn't, you know, like if it happens, it happens. But if it don't, you know, I just, you know, <laughs> keep doing what I was doing. Because at that time I was, I was in the clubs really heavy. So that was kind of my focus. And, and, uh, so I, I sent a demo to to tap to tap money who was APD at the time, and and I still remember the first time I met Tap. You know, I went to introduce myself. You know, what I mean? he's like, "Man, I already know you." <laughs> he's like, "Come and have a seat." So you know, he already knew who I was and everything. And I was a little nervous when I first met him, but you know, he was super cool guy, super down to earth, and man, like one of the great great mentors. Um, you know, along along with Brian, you know. And I, I still remember, you know, my first few times on air. It was definitely, definitely epic. And I still remember the day that Tap called me. He was like, hey, man, you want to, you know, you want to do a mixed squad weekend? I was like, yes. <laughs> Is that a no brainer? You know, so I came in and did it. And uh, I did it. I think it was Labor Day. Yeah, it was Labor Day weekend. And I did the mixed show. And he was like, yeah, it's just a trial run. We'll see how it goes. Da, 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 da. And I was like, okay. So. I did the mix show. It went good. Everybody liked it. Then I heard nothing literally from September, October, November, December, January. And I told Chris this and he said, you need to be a little bit proactive, a little, little proactive. I was like, okay. So I called tap about it. You know, I said, I, you know, interested, you know, I know y'all have another mix squad weekend, you know, coming up. And he's like, okay. Uh, he's like, come to the radio station today around five o'clock. And I said, okay. 
So five o'clock came. I was there at the radio station. He handed me an envelope with all my employee documents, and I was officially employee that day. That's how it happened. Wow. So it almost kind of felt like they had you auditioning until you said, hey, I want to get down and then tap hands you the envelope kind of saying you're official. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And uh, from then I did fill in, I think, till about mid 2009. Uh, so I think it was about a year after that. It, no, it wasn't a year. It was about six months or maybe six, seven months or so. I did fill in mix shows. So, you know, so if a DJ couldn't make it, they would call me. And I found myself filling in a lot for uh, DJ Deluxe out of Raleigh. And, 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 you know, at that time, Deluxe was traveling from Raleigh to Greensboro every day to do his mix show. So there'll be some nights where something would happen on the highway and he couldn't make it. Um, one of the craziest things nights was um, one night he called me around, I think it was around 930. He's like, hey, man, can you do my show? I was like, I'm not going to make it. I was like, he's like, what you mean? He's like, I'm sitting here stuck on the highway. A bread truck has exploded. There's bread all over the highway. And they, I, I can't make it. <laughs> and I'm like, what in the world? And I didn't believe him until he sent me a picture of bread literally on the interstate. You know? Yeah, he, uh, can't, he can't get the bread because of bread. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So it was always interesting, you know, you know, doing that. And eventually I ended up landing uh, Saturday nights when uh, DJ Sound Machine left. And, you know, I hung out with Sound Machine a lot on uh, Saturday nights. And that, you know, he, he was the one that him, Young G and Showdown Coin smashed CD Radio. So I was already filling big shoes because Sound Machine was, you know, Sound Machine is a freaking legend. So, you know, I come in. You know, I'm seeing you coming in behind Sound Machine. I was like, yo, I got big shoes to fill. Sound Machine is that, is that guy, you know? So he gave me a few tips, you know, and, you know, I just came in and did my thing. And eventually, you know, probably after a few months, you know, talking to like Tap and Brian, they say, if you really want the show, you really want to be here, you got to make it yours instead of making it feel like you're just filling in for Sound Machine. That's what I did. Uh, and, that, and that's what really, really, you know, got me to that next level there at Jams was, you know, if I wanted to do something, was take ownership of it and do it. And, you know, I really, you know, you know, so many props to Brian because, you know, coming from being a club DJ, you have a certain mentality of of how to play records, when to play records, because you're kind of looking for that that instant reaction because you can see it. And radio is a different story. You don't know who's listening. You don't know when they're listening or how they're listening. So Brian was able to help mold me into a better mix show DJ into how to play records that impact, that make an impact, play records that matter, you know, cause sometimes, you know, and I see it in the clubs too, back then I didn't think about it until, you know, we started having a lot of talks about, about music and how, how, how to, how to play records and how to move in and out of songs, you know, that art of playing hits, playing records that matter, you know, versus just playing songs that you might think is cool. You know, sometimes it's, you know, in the end of the day, it's not about the DJ. You know, let's say the DJ's taste in music. It's about what the people want to hear. And that's the thing you want to bring. You want to play what the people want to hear. So you want to play the records that matter. Um, and then after that, when I got into that mentality and I started to listen and, and really, you know, really hone in on what on, on his coaching, I ended up with a better mix show. You know, we're talking... You know, even in PPM days, I'm sitting here with a Saturday night mix show with over a 30 share. And that's unheard of in PPM era. 
And, uh, you know, I, you know, I go, you know, and sometimes when I'm traveling, I go out and I listen, I listen to the other DJs and I like, yo, I know these guys are dope and I'm hearing them do so much talented stuff and they're playing all the wrong records. Right. You know, and for those of you that don't know, PPM means portable people meter. And that is how radio determines their ratings for their diaries. Yes. Because prior to the portable people meter, you would get diaries sent to your home and they would ask you questions like, what station you listen to, what time. And then that's what radio stations use to determine, okay, we're going to put our money towards this drive time because it's number one in the market. And then also mm -hmm. if you hit certain quotas, you get incentives. Yes. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's 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 absolutely true. Yeah, PPM PPM really is a really game changer because now you now you're actually seeing how people listening to the radio, you know. Well, let me rephrase that. You actually seeing you seeing how people are actually listening to the radio versus them telling you how they are listening to the radio because people back then were just saying anything. You know, I just well, I don't know what station I was listening to between. 6 and 7 a.m. on Tuesday morning, three weeks ago. <laughs> so they put down their favorite radio station, you know. Um, you know, the big the big thing that that really changed with PBM was was getting the accuracies right. And you saw a lot of radio stations really fall because of PPM, because now you're seeing actual numbers versus seeing who knows, you know, whatever put they whatever they put in the diary. A lot it's, of it's really it's, there's a on. there's a lot lot of art to PPM man a lot of art to PPM. Mm, kind of sounds like how back before SoundScan, how the music industry would determine the sales of albums was they would send out sheets to the local record stores and they'll fill out okay what's your top three five or ten albums selling this week and that's how they would determine the numbers for Billboard before SoundScan. I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds about right. You know, you know, there's, you know, back then there was no digital way to track it. You know, you had to go off literally a, an honor system. You know, you had to be honest that a person would tell you what actually happened because there's no computer back there. Or there's no, there's no unbiased resource to, to tell, to tell otherwise. Right. Or you would read the industry trades and see, okay, who's playing what? Yeah. Yeah. Media based. Mm, so media based nowadays yeah so you can figure out how to counter now about countering 102 and k97 out of raleigh they didn't really have a lot of competition i remember that there was another station that brief, briefly tried to take on 102 in greensboro but it yes. out and then foxy originally i didn't notice until when i interviewed Cy told me that they were competing alongside K97 as a uh, Foxy 107. It was the Heritage Station, but K97 mm -hmm. was kicking their butts in the books that they made Foxy flip to Urban AC. Yeah, yeah. Same thing happened in Greensboro with 102 Jams and, and QMG. Um, QMG was the, the Heritage Urban AC. QMG stands for Quality Music for Greensboro. They believe they became an urban AC or started targeting blacks somewhere in the early seventies, I want to say. And from then on, you know, QMG has been the, you know, the station for blacks. And up until, up until 1990 or so when 102, well, 102 came on the air at 88, but they were, they were rhythmic. 
Eurythmic Top 40. So they didn't play a lot of rap music. They didn't really even target uh, any, hardly any of the audience that QMG had. Uh, for a brief time, there was, I believe it was WKSI on 98.7, uh, KISS 98.7. Uh, and they, I think they did go up against QMG for a hot second. It was not very long at all. I don't think anybody even mentioned that, you know, when they talk about, um, you know, urban radio history here in, in North Carolina, well, in, in Greensboro. But QMG, uh, so yeah, so 102, so when Brian came there, Brian Douglas uh, came there in 1990, he started changing the format some um, uh, with this consultant, my gosh, his name, his name, um, his name gets away from me now. But him, him and, and Brian, he also put on, same guy put on a WJHM 102 jams in uh, Orlando, if you remember them. Mm-hmm. Do you remember 102 jams Orlando? Yeah, the same consultant. Yeah, because the reason why was because the call letters were so similar to 102s. It's just the flip of two letters. Yes, yes. Yeah, I'm sitting here looking at the Wikipedia article. See if I can find the guy's name. That uh, Jerry Clifton. Jerry Clifton put on 102 Jams Orlando and 102 Jams in Greensboro. The only difference is 102 Jams was in, in uh, Orlando was WJHM and Greensboro's JMH. So yeah, so Jerry, so yeah, so Brian Douglas and Jerry Clifton were were working together to to really bring in 102 jams, and that's when they started playing rap music. They were one of the first stations in the state to play rap music uh, in the early '90s, and that's when they really started going head to head against QMG, and they were they were really kicking tail against QMG, and it really you know it they 102 jams forced QMG into playing rap music way back in the '90s. Right. And but they were still they were still the grown folks station. You know, one or two jams was for the kids, you know, QMG was for the grown folk, but they wanted that kid on they wanted that audience. So uh, and they and they kind of played that song and dance till about ninety-five until I believe Beasley sold QMG Be- Beasley sold one or two jams and I don't remember what company had QMG, but both of them were bought by I believe either Sinclair or Max Media. And when 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 they were bought by them, they got put under the same house, literally. Um, and that's when they ended up moving to our national service road where they are today. When that happened, that's when QMG, that's when the battle officially ended, you know, and QMG grown folks, they stopped playing the rap one or two jams for the kids. Cause they now, you know, it's kind of like, if you can't beat them, buy them. Right. And when I interviewed Cy Young, he was telling me that with K97, when he first came in, I believe he came from D.C. And he was saying how their on-air imaging was K-Power at one point. And he got that idea from, I believe it was WHRK is the calls, K97 out of Memphis. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah, Sinclair. Sinclair was the ones who purchased them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's when all that happened. Yeah. Yeah, so can we talk about the impact of K97.5? Because to me, they're, they're the gold standard of R&B hip-hop radio for Central North Carolina and the Raleigh-Durham area. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, K97.5 has been out a long time. Not a lot of competition there. Uh, you know, and they held it down for many years. They still do. They still do. Um, I listened to them for a while and I listened, you know, I, you know, being, being in Raleigh and you could pick up K97.5, 
K975, Foxy 99, and uh, 102 Jams, you kind of, you got a really good perspective of, of urban radio and just how each city was doing it. I wish I could have heard Power 98 back then, but, you know, I was too far away living in Raleigh. You couldn't hear Power 98. Yeah, and you're speaking of Power 98 out of Charlotte, correct? Yes, yes, yes. Power 98 out of Charlotte, WPEG. Right, and with uh, K97, it's because of them I know Grace Jones pull up to my bumper because they would use that song all the time for their <laughs> weather and traffic beds. Well, let me tell you one song that I, that, that they really got me on was, uh, Oh my gosh, I got it on vinyl, but they used it for their traffic. Uh, it was a breakbeat record. They used it all the time. Are you talking about and dance to the drummers beat Herman Kelly in life? No, 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 no. Like this is a different one. I got it on vinyl because I used to play it a lot. Oh my gosh, now I can't even think of it. Earn is <laughs> it's blanking like, people. I'm blanking because I I literally played this record on my on my live like a few probably about a month ago. Because I had looked for that record for so long because I heard it on K975. Every time they did traffic, they played that record. Wow, and that is oh so crazy. God. And um, so what would you say would be the difference? in radio from Tidewater area, Virginia to central area, Virginia, like Petersburg and Richmond. See, I didn't hear a lot of Petersburg. I didn't hear a lot of central Virginia radio when I was growing up. I couldn't pick up none of the stations out there. I couldn't pick up, you know, I couldn't pick up 92.1. I think that was the, I think back then that was the only station up there, if I'm correct. That's was, power, was, that, was that the only one? Was that Power 92 out of Petersburg? Yeah, Power 92, yeah. Mm, yeah, Power 92 out of Petersburg, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I couldn't pick up Power 92 because of Soul 92 and and Rocky Mount. You know, they were so close together that the only station I could pick up was no, 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 no. Let, let me rephrase that because we had 92.1 in Norfolk as well. So I couldn't hear anything. I couldn't hear um, you know Power 92 out of out of Richmond because of uh, 92.1 in Moyock, WMYK at the time. Actually, they went through a whole bunch of calls, but yeah, but yeah. Uh, 92.1 and Soul 92. So usually time it was either I was either picking up Soul 92 or or Moyoc, uh in Norfolk. I couldn't get Richmond at all because they were so close together. Wow. And for Foxy 107, they later picked up the 104.3 frequency once WKTC Katie Country didn't really do as well because that serves Tarboro and around Edgecombe, yep. Pitt yep. County, that area. And then they decided to increase our coverage. Let's just get the 104.3 stick and just simulcast. Yes, that's right. Yep, yep. That was a uh, that was a Tarboro radio station. WCPS was was uh, was the originator of them. Okay. WCPS and our AM 760 in Tarboro. So they put on uh, 104.3 and they figured out how to move it close enough to Raleigh where they could still cover Tarboro and Raleigh. And that's how they ended up 104.3. Right. That was, that was, that was a big thing back in those days. Yeah. Crazy. And I believe there was a good sounding urban AM station that was pumping out of uh, Warrenson. At one point, I think the calls were yes. W-A-R-R or W-A-A-R, something to that effect. W W-A-R-R. And what's crazy is they're still um, they still doing the, they're still doing their thing down there. They are, uh, you know, every now and then when the weather's right, I can pick them up here at the house. Uh, usually time, actually, this is about the time of day where I start picking them up. There was one point over the summer 
um, from about five till eight o'clock or so at night in the until in, in the evening. I could listen to WARR out of Warrington here in Greens, you know, in Winston Salem, you know, and I'm, you know, you know, solid three three hours away. Wow, that is so crazy! And when we're now we're on the still on topic of radio. Can we talk about the impact of Mr. Donnie Simpson, who just got inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame? It was one of <laughs> the first big DJs to make big, big bucks and not be a nationally syndicated radio DJ because we see him, saw him every day on BET with Video Soul. Yes. Well, I'm looking up something. Um, but yeah, so yeah, yeah. Donnie Simpson was 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 one of the OGs. I mean, he's radio legend in DC, man. Like. You can't you can't beat him at all. Like like that's that's like the gold standard. He was like one. What wasn't he first like one of the first millionaire DJs right there? Yeah, because I believe at the same time he was doing video soul. This one he was on. I believe was WKYS. Uh huh. Yeah yeah yeah. Yep. That's that's exactly right. The KYS and uh my gosh they 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 had an AM station too that 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 uh that was ran by Radio Radio One. So. That was uh that was all very interesting, you know. Um one of the big one of the last articles I read about about um uh and I didn't know this had happened that that Donnie Simpson, you know, really was you know an advocate for what happened with uh the Grease Man. I don't know if you remember the Grease Man. Um, um was this um the I, I know of the Grease Man. Was he on the same radio station that Howard Stern was on when he was in DC? Yes, 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 yes. He was a, he was a shock jock at the time. But Grease Man is still alive, acting like he's dead. No, he's still alive. Um, but no, he um uh, he said he made some anti-Semitic comments way back in the early two thousands, very, very unsavory. And um, you know, Donnie Simpson, you know, was just like, hey man, this guy's got to go. You know, this is before cancel culture and. Uh, what he did was was successful, you know. It was it was bad. It was bad, you know. It was it was along the comments of, um, you know, he was talking about MLK Day, and he said, "Well, you know, why don't we shoot for other for other people to get the whole week off?" You know, that was his comment, and you know, people like Donnie Simpson was like, "Yo, this guy's got to go. He can't he can't be saying stuff like that." You know, so you know, salute to Donnie. You know, yeah, especially um, on public you know. airways and. Yeah. Want to talk about the the contributions and significance of this man, legend in DMV, paved the way for future shot jocks. Howard Stern even came on his public <laughs> access show yes. back when yes. uh, Petey Green's Washington was on BT and on, I believe, WDCA out in DC. And if you look at the movie Talk to Me with Don Cheetah, Chedra Edro for Taraji P. Henson, and talk about the legend of Mr. Petey Green. Uh, I don't know a lot about Petey Green. I mean, I know he was from, I know he was a legendary, uh, uh, you know, DC, DC radio talent. Uh, you know, that's, that's one of those guys, man. Like he, he paved the way for us, man. Like for real, for real, he really did. And, and you just salute to him. You know, I've seen, you know, I've seen a few snippets from his TV show. One of the most famous one was, uh, was how to eat a watermelon. Yeah. How to eat. So yeah, all, all you people that's watching. Yeah. You need to go uh, see the, how to, how to eat a watermelon video from PD green, man. That be was, yourself. While that was doing it. Yes. <laughs> you know, he was, you know, it, it was just crazy, you know, because I'm sitting here watching the show and he's just fling, flinging the N word left out left and right. And nobody's saying anything. Um, you know, and of course we can't even do that today. No. Um, 
No, no, not at all. Every now and then, you know, with with just the whole climate of everything, you watch, you know, you hear some NPR do it. You, I hear, I've heard NPR do it before, um, and you know, a few artists, you know, a few people can get away with it, like Dave Chappelle. But everybody else, uh, uh-uh. uh, no, 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 no. So can't do that. So, but yeah, Petey Green is definitely, man, definitely one of the OGs in radio, and all. And DC radio is just so fascinating, man. It really is. It really is. It's just like those two, um, those two radio stations in in DC. Uh, my gosh, now I gotta look up both both things. Do you remember what uh, the uh, the AM station that's disconnected with Radio One in DC? Uh, no, I'm not too familiar with uh, radio stations in the DMV market because I was thinking about uh, WAVA. No, I don't think that it was, was. But that uh, was FM though. What WAVA was. But I'm not yeah. too sure about that. But do you think because of cancer? W O L W O W O L. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. crazy. So, do you think because of the way cancel culture is now that morning shows like the Morning Zoo wouldn't be as effective today because you can't really get away with a lot of the brash stuff that morning show radio on particular formats were known for? Almost oh, definitely. I mean, it's not you know. Yeah, yeah. Cancel culture has changed has changed the uh just the whole aspect of 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 a lot of, you know, especially comedians or anybody that's in the entertainment industry has really changed how how they can navigate, you know, navigate and do anything without offending, you know, certain groups. You just can't do it anymore, you know. And and it's understood, you know. Sometimes, you know, you know, there's comedy, you know, you know, sometimes people try to, you know, guise racism in comedy, you know, and it, it doesn't work that way. You know, you know, if it's, you know, yes, there's stereotypes about different races and cultures that are sometimes funny, but, you know, sometimes people are are trying to say offensive stuff and act like it's funny. And it's really not. That's, that's, you know, that's the whole cancel culture deal. It was just yeah. like what, uh you know, the grease man said about MLK day, you know, that that's not funny. Right. And you definitely can't do like what Howard Stern did in private parts where they were spoofing the match or dating game where it was blank a doodle doo. Blank a doodle doo. What do you have up here, Hern? Hern, I have a big, great big, I'm not going to say, well, I can't say it well, because we're not on the FCC airways, but this well, is a wholesome family friendly show. That was Stern pushing the limits of his PD. Him and the PD at that, at that time did not get along. They actually hated each other. Pig vomit. And, you know, <laughs> pig vomit. Yeah. But Earn, that sucks. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, WNBC. I think yeah, everybody Earn knows that. You know, Darcy Blows. You know, you know, I listen to uh I, I listen to Howard Stern a lot now since I have satellite radio. And I said I would never buy satellite radio. And now I have a vehicle with satellite radio and I renewed a subscription to satellite radio. So I listen to Stern a lot. I'm on the road a lot. Um, so, you know, I listen to Stern is a shock job. First off, you know, I, well, I won't really call him a shock jock. Like Stern, Stern is Stern is his own lane. Like, um, you know, there was a ton of copycats that were doing what Stern did. And as you can see, none of them are still doing it. There's nobody left in that category except Stern. You know, and Stern is the GOAT. Like, I don't care what anybody say. Stern is the GOAT. Like, you you listen to his interviews um, and you and you actually take something away. Stern knows how to talk to people like they're friends, like they're lifelong friends. He will 
get the info that ev- he will ask the questions that everybody wants to know and the people will answer it. You know, it was just like with, you know, with, with when Hillary Clinton came on his show and that was one of the greatest interviews I've, I've, I've heard. And you find out so much about them that, you know, you that no other interviewer would have ever found out about, you know, they would have never got that info. Right. And then, of course, you, know. you and I know the gold standard of the radio business, Casey Kasem. Oh yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about Casey? Yeah, Kate. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Like Casey, Casey was AT top 40, man. Like that was him, man. Like, like that was the guy that you hear. And and a and a lot of radio stations still run his old uh we have a, a local here, WTOB, that, that runs his old countdown shows on the weekends. And you know, I'll listen to him. I'm like, yo, this is interesting, you know, just just how he rolls through music, man. So pleasing, just so um he was just, he was a legend, man. A legend. He was. Right. Yo. And also, he was the voice of Shaggy. Scooby Doo did voiceovers yep, for yep. NBC. Just make sure yeah. you have your tempos right coming out of certain records <laughs> and the law of distance yeah. dedication. I got to go yeah. to a blankety blank of tempo and to talk about a dead dog dying. Yes, that's right. The whole dead dog <laughs> incident. Uh, one of the local morning shows here. Um, uh, by the name of two guys named Chris. Every now and then they do a bit uh, with Casey Kasem calling in from heaven. And it is one of the funniest bits I have ever heard. <laughs> I got to hear this. <laughs> oh, man, I got to see if my buddy over there can send me one to Casey, the old Casey Kasem bits, man. They are great. It, it, it is gold. Man, I definitely got to hear that. So um, there was a radio station out of New York. This launched around, I believe, 83. This is during uh-huh. a time where Top 40 Radio was considered dead. And New York hadn't really had success with Top 40 since the heyday of WABC on 77 AM. Can we talk about mm-hmm. the impact of WHTZ Z100 and what Scott Shannon was able to do when he launched that and took him from worst to first? And I believe it was 73 days, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. Z100, Z100. Did they... Did they do a, a a disco stint as well? I might be thinking of a different station. Uh, they didn't do um, a disco stint. I know in the mid-90s they went alternative but switched back to Top 40. Uh, I think the other Top 40 stations around during that time was... P- I, I don't think PLJ was Top 40 and KTU was disco. Disco 92 WKTU. They think the HTZ 100. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, see, I I don't know a lot about them. Or, you know, it's, it's, it's like one of those legendary, legendary New York stations, you know. Um, there's, there's just so much that you can do with, in New York radio that that was legendary between them and what was going on in Chicago, L.A., um, all the big cities. They had some great stations back in the day. Mm-hmm. And also, we got to mention Frankie Crocker and what he did at yes. WBLS. And he was one of the first VJs for VH1. Yes, 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 yes. WBLS, man. They they were they were a game changer. Now, if I remember correctly, BLS was playing hip hop because I believe, um, I think it was BLS. Yeah, BLS where was playing you... hip hop. It was Mr. Magic. Mr. Magic's yeah, rap yeah. attack, and then... I think you could broker time on BLS. I think that's how that happened. You, I, you could buy airtime at BLS. Yeah, I think so. Can you explain to the people broker airtime and how that works? 
Okay, broken airtime is basically, you know, you know, when you hear commercials on the radio, uh, that that is the advertiser buying airtime on a radio station. But uh, some radio stations allow brokered airtime where you can buy 15, 30 minutes, an hour of airtime. And you can broadcast whatever you want during that airtime, you know, within within, you know, you know, guidelines, you know, what the FCC considers decent. But yeah, so you can literally buy, you can go, you know, some radio station, you can buy a block of time and just air whatever you want to do during that air time, during that period of time. This happens a lot, uh, especially on talk radio stations where you hear like, this program is being paid by Jay Mace. And then, you know, <laughs> and then the views of opinions of this radio station are not necessarily the views and opinions of Jay Mace. And then they go on and then, you know, you have your whole half hour to do whatever you want. And then at the end, they'll run their disclaimer again and you go off, you know. So that's brokered airtime. Um, and when I worked in a Husky uh, at WRCS, they they had a lot of brokered airtime. That is that is the staple of religious radio is brokered airtime. You find that a lot. That's how right. a lot of church services get on the air. Right. And then you got to throw in those live reads. This program was brought to you by Jack's Fiddle Faddle Shop, located on one, two, <laughs> one, two, one, two three, four, five. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Traffic and weather is being sponsored by Christian Berry's Heated and Cooling. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and also. <laughs> And also brought to you by CNW Candace, located on and, Julian Osberg <laughs> Highway in Runner Rapids, North Carolina. And also and be, sure bar- to go, be sure to go by and visit <laughs> Eli's Butcher Shop, located also yep. on 12345 Main Street in Runner Rapids, North Carolina, on AM 1400 WSMY, your best in Southern Gospel of the Rono Valley and Southside Virginia. <laughs> And today's show is being sponsored by Lee's Funeral Home and the studio is being sponsored by Lee's Funeral Home where we're where the dead come alive. <laughs> you can hear this on WDLZ, The River. Yes. Speaking of The River, can we talk about the impact of the late Mr. Earl Tulliger? Oh man, Earl Earl was a legend. I didn't I never got the opportunity to meet Earl. Um I'm surprised. But I yeah, I never met him. Uh but you know when I when I moved into the area, I mean Earl was was on ninety Earl was the voice of ninety eight three like that was him. It was just like you know because I was in a husky you know a husky in Roanoke Rapids, not a husky Murfreesboro you know a husky the husky radio station the Murfreesboro radio station were competitors you know obviously they're ten miles apart they both cover the same area. So what's interesting about them two is WRCS WQDK. WQDK was country. WRCS was top 40. In Murfreesboro, WWDR was country. WDLZ was top 40. <laughs> so they were they were kind of running back and forth. And and like I said, my mentor, Don Upchurch, um, you know, he worked at both radio stations. So uh, but at the, you know, I want to say probably the mid-80s on. Like Don was the voice of WQDK. He was the absolute voice of WQDK. You heard him on all the commercials. You heard his voice every day. Anybody in this town knew who Don was. I mean, Don was that guy. I mean, 
and he was a local historian. I got one. I got his book. He posted a book on the, uh, I believe it's the Lost Colony. He published a book about the history of it. I have it somewhere around the house. I bought it right after he passed his wife. I don't think the book was completely finished when he passed. And I think she went on ahead and got the rest of his documents together and published the book. But it is on Amazon. So I did. I did went on ahead and buy it. I bought it from, you know, to support the family. Man, that is so crazy. And also Earl Teliger, he was the voice of Ronald Rapids Yellow Jacket football. And upon his passing, they renamed the press box after mm -hmm. Earl Teliger. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, they renamed the radio station 1983, um, the Earl. And uh, and in Ohosky, these studios are the Don Upchurch Studios. And there's a plaque at the building when you when you when you when you get up to the studio, you know, you know, that has its name on it, its information. That's that's nice. I had a chance to see Earl quite a bit because he would come up to the radio station and um in Weldon from time to time and got a chance to chat with him and everything. Always very nice, very professional and definitely a legend yeah. in the Roanoke Valley or should I say Roanoke Showan area. Yeah. And so go ahead. One one fun fact about Don. Don and my grandfather were, were good friends. And my grandfather uh had a gospel group uh at the time called the Four Stars of a Husky. And Don had a recording studio in a Husky and he put out my grandfather's first record. Uh, he actually recorded it. I think they recorded it at a studio and, you know, pressed it up on vinyl and I don't have a copy of my mom does, but uh, I've, I've, you know, I, I, I digitized it for him a long time ago, but yeah. So Don has been in our family for a very long time. And my grand, my, my, uh, my grandfather and the group, uh, they actually bought airtime at WRCS. And they would they would come in every Sunday morning and they would sing. Initially, at first they would sing live for 15 minutes. They would come in, they would sing on the radio for 15 minutes. And uh eventually that, you know, when they started getting recordings, you know, they still they bought airtime. And they they for 15 minutes, it was the four stars segment. And you heard nothing but their music for 15 minutes. And it got to the point where my grandfather had sponsors. So literally, you know, the expense of of buying the airtime was already covered by businesses that supported his 15 minute program on the radio station. Man, that's crazy. And I was talking with CJ when I had him on the podcast and he was talking about how, you know, our neck of the woods, Northampton, Hereford, Gates, Bertie, which is pretty much a major stop for RBX in the 60s, yes. 70s yes. across the Chitlin circuit. Yes. Do you know um, WYAL twelve fit twelve eighty in Scotland Neck? Uh, yeah, yeah. That is a um, that is a one hundred percent black owned radio station. It's been black owned and operated radio station since uh, since they came on the air in the uh, mid sixties. Wow, in Scotland Neck, North Carolina, for those that don't know, one of the few yep. towns in the state where you could park your car in the middle of the street because there's actually parking <laughs> spaces in the yes. middle of Main Street. Yes, I actually went through Scotland Neck about a year ago. Just, you know, actually, uh, I went down there to find to find WYAL. I was curious about it. And I found I found the radio station. And uh, it's just a little little tiny building right on the edge of town. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing about Southern radio stations, especially small towns, it looks like it's a converted trailer and <laughs> hodgepodge mixed all together. Definitely a type of town where you want to make sure you have gas no flats you have some people say you're lost boy 
<laughs> that's a fact. You might get a you lost you lost round these parts. Yeah, you might get that. You might want to get on out of here picture. before something bad happens. Yeah. Let me see if I can find a picture of W-Y-A-L. Yeah, yep, I went that's to W-Y-L once because um, somebody had told me it was like an opportunity or something there. I just went by to check it out. But man, coming from my side. All yeah, so that's W-Y-A-L. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like that's I said, it. it looks that's like all a, it is. Like I said, it looks like a converted house or somebody's has living quarters and the radio station is maybe two rooms down. Yeah, yep, that's it. That's it, you know. Um, there's another little black-owned and operated station out on my side of the, uh, my neck of the woods, uh, WYNC in Yanceyville, and they're the same way, same way, little little low slung building, and that's it. You yeah, know? Cause, yeah, because I that, was um, looking on your YouTube channel, and I believe you posted an air check from that station. It was a black gospel station where they were doing yes, Aries yes. or come on down to WYAL for some good old fish sandwiches at the local fish yes. to support WYAL. We've been in yes, business they, for X amount <laughs> of years. You can you get know, you a fish sandwich for $3, a plate for 5 or $7. Yes. Be sure to call yes. blah, 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 blah. The, the place WRCS had a fundraiser the wrcs had a fundraiser when i was there as well for the and the, you know they they serve food and everything you go there and buy you a plate of food you know and you were donating to the radio station because they're they're a non-profit they're considered a non-profit that's how we do down south fundraisers are pretty much either <laughs> fish chicken boston butt brunswick stew, <laughs> and then you pass on your live read to reverend so-and-so on station am so-and-so and they're talking their old southern twang now the so-and-so fire department is having a fundraiser for blah 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 and blah 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 to help raise medical relief so we ask yep. that you kindly give donations or buy and that's a that's wync yep. wync 1540 a.m Yep, Yanceyville, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And where is Yanceyville located again? They are in the it's the northern quadrant of the state, in between South Boston and Danville. Uh, they kind of like the midpoint between South Boston and Danville. Right. You know, right across the line in North Carolina. Right. So, kind of, sort of closer to um. Closer to Roxboro. Ro they're, they're a hop, per skip, and a jump for Roxboro. Uh, yeah. Person County, pretty much that, that yep. area. Yep. Mm -hmm. yeah, yep. yep. That's so, their area. So crazy. Now, do you remember at any point, maybe late 80s or early to mid 90s, that you had localized video shows? Because this is back when cable was still not <laughs> yes. full and a lot of the public access stations or your independent TV channels will air video shows on Fridays, Saturday nights. And you hope and pray that the big record stations don't record companies don't catch you because you're kind of airing that stuff without going through the proper channels. Yeah. You know, um, Buster Brown had one uh, on, um, I think Buster Brown's thing, Buster Brown's dance party. Uh, he had that on, on our local TV, uh, G105 in Raleigh had, had with some guys over there they had they had a tv show in raleigh as well i don't remember what station but but yeah they had they had they had that as well so yeah yeah oh yeah definitely familiar with those video shows do you remember uh it was video tv on uh channel 20 here in greensboro video tv uh what year video mix video mix uh, i think that was around 2010 2011 
Nah, I, I was still living I, in my nah, old house. Nah, so. I was I was back home at that time, so I don't recall. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there was Video Mix TV here in Greensboro, um, and it was a guy out of Miami that was running it here on Channel Twenty, and they were they were play all they were playing was music videos, but uh, in the afternoons they would have uh, they would have you know live personalities, kind of like a kind of like a you know a local version of One Hundred Six in Park. Mm, wow, and. So it almost felt like locally they were doing what Ralph McDaniels still doing in New York with Video Music Box. Okay, okay. I'm not familiar with Video Music Box. Video Music Box, it was one of the first shows to really showcase rap. This was right around before BT MTV was really playing rap like that. He actually stated in a few interviews that he actually pitched it to MTV. They turned them down flat. And then a couple of years later, <laughs> they had the idea the for same. Yo MTV Raps with Fat Five Freddy. And then later on, The Daily Show with Ed Lover and Dr. Dre. Why did I not know about Video Music Box? How do you not feel know so about loop now. Video Box? That's the question. But like I said, legendary. You know, Uncle Ralph McDaniels is still going on to this day. Pretty much anybody who was anybody in hip hop made an appearance on that show and that alongside like i mentioned your own tv raps and then later rap city on bt really started to me the mainstream approach or should i say the mainstream's recognition that hip hop was going to be a dominant force in music wow i'm sitting here looking at the intro on youtube that is crazy Oh, and I tell you Oh my god. So now I'm going to a rabbit hole about video music boss because now I'm fascinated. Yeah, but I'll tell you something that's um that's funny about um BET. Um I interviewed Alvin Jones for Unseen VJ from Video Vibrations. So he told uh-huh. me that during the infancy of BET, that I believe they shared studios or something of that degree with WDCA TV20 out of DC. And the tape operator on occasion would upload the wrong tape onto BET, and what was being played over the air on BET was Scooby-Doo when it was supposed to be in video vibrations. Oh my God. What about, <laughs> that's so messed up. Oh, I can, I can see that happening though. I, I, I can. I hey, really hey, can. Man, hey man, it's, it's early, it's early back in the day, you know, pre-K, pre-cable and you could get away with a lot of stuff and thankfully nobody really saw your flubs since it wasn't widely spread and widely right. available because before BT got its own station. So I mean, mainly because, because it wasn't on internet, <laughs> you know? No. The internet was a game changer right there. Yeah, because BT back before it, they got its own airspace on the satellite, they would kind of do what Nickelodeon and Nick at Night still do, where it, w- it was USA during a certain time and then it would switch over to BT for a certain time and then it'll switch back over to USA. Okay, share time. Yeah, yeah, share yeah. time. Makes sense. Share time. I well, not similar to what Ted Turner did down in Atlanta with the superstation TBS and then later WTBS. Yeah, yeah, WTBS. And as also you and I know, and some of us who are wrestling fans know that TBS really put WCW on the map. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that's that was the only way, you know, the only mm-hmm. way you could watch it. Yeah, that was the only way you could watch it because 
I, because I was telling my wife this, that um, the only way I saw the Disney Channel back when it was a premium channel was at my grandma's house when it was free preview weekend because it cost extra. Or I went to my cousin's house that had satellite and they had Disney Channel already in their package because I can remember how expensive your monthly bill would be if you were to add this premium channel and that premium channel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A la carte. Everything was a la carte back then. Uh, unless like a big old satellite dish in the yard. Watch that thing turn around and go to the different birds. Yeah, I remember. Yep, <laughs> I remember turn, days. Yep, turn to G5 channel 20. And I remember that to this day yeah. because that was the the satellite and the channel number that BT was on. And during this Galaxy time, 5. Galaxy 5, yep. And during this time as well, like I said, cable was starting to get into more homes. And then if you had satellite, you also had a channel called The Box. Now, The Box. I remember The Box, yeah. Music you can control. And it was kind of like the first taste of on demand because at the bottom of the screen would scroll what videos they had, the number that you had to give when you called the 900 number, and how much you had to pay for the call. And they made sure if yep. you're under 18, be sure to get your parents' permission before calling. Yeah. Yep. Like, I remember all that. It was kind of like the first taste of customization. Yeah. Because in Raleigh, there was a TV station that actually aired the box. So we could watch it off the air. We didn't need cable to see the box. Or a uh, satellite. Yeah, I did. I had heard about some like UHF stations were airing the box over the air because the only time that I saw it was when my grandma had satellite. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, because I mean, in Gates County, like the 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 cable head in didn't run past my house. I don't think they ran cable down my road until maybe ninety eight or ninety nine. So before then, your only choice was satellite. You had, you know, it was nothing else. The big hunky satellite dish where you could probably put a skateboard, be like, do like a drop ramp and go up and, and go down. Oh, yeah, you could do all sorts of stuff with them, them yeah. things. But I mean, you know, the nerds are still with it. They, uh, everything's free to, you can still use them today with, uh, with free to, with something called free to air. Wow. So those still exist. Yeah. Mm. Now, how did you end up getting into, um, uh, I want to say DXing, right? Or ham radio. Oh, DXing and ham radio. Oh man, you can go down a rabbit hole with this. Uh, I I was probably fascinated. Um, it was my dad. I remember. I remember vividly. My dad was um, he was in a husky one night. This when we still lived in Raleigh, and we were in a husky, and, and he had this. Uh, I think it was it was a magazine that. Uh, Maybe Q, I think it's called QST magazine. It's a magazine for ham radio, for ham radio people. Anyway, they were talking about DXing in there and they were talking about a radio station in New York on 1560. And, you know, we were just sitting there and he punched it up on the radio and there it was. I mean, just as clear as day, this radio station out of New York, we're picking up in a Hosky. And then he starts flipping around the dial and, you know, we're sitting there listening to all these big radio stations out of New York. It couldn't have been. 10 years old, you know, so a 10 year old kid, it was fascinating to me. And that's what kind of hooked me at that point. Uh, you know, as far as DXing and what DXing is, is it's called distance reception. 
uh, it's a sort it's it's the shorthand for distance reception. So what you want to you know, so the goal of DXing is you want to see, you know, you literally sometimes you just turn to a, a, a channel or a frequency and just see what radio stations you can hear. And your goal is to see if you can pick up a station, you know, the furthest distance away. Um, and that kind of leads into ham radio because ham radio, you know, you're kind of using the same stuff, you know, they call it DXing where you, but instead with ham radio, it's a two-way street with DXing broadcast radio, it's a one-way street. So you can listen to the station, but you can't answer them. If that makes sense with ham radio, you can answer whoever, whoever is, to, is talking to you. So you got to get a license to, to uh, become a ham radio operator. The, hand, the test is not difficult. Um, and they have three different stages. You have a technician, you have general and uh, extra the technician. You can talk on, you know, technician, they say is local, local broadcast. You can talk to people in your local area. Uh, general, you can talk around the world. Um, and extra, they give you other, you still can talk around the world, but you have a few more channels that general general operators don't have. And there's a whole sheet that I have and this is what they call the amateur radio bands. I keep it on a sheet of paper, but you can see like there's different color codes for which bands you can talk on. And, um, you know, I use that, I've used that tool. I've talked to people, you know, around the world, uh, either digital modes or I can tell you, give me one second, I could pull up um, what they call my logbook, which would tell me. <laughs> So, yeah. So since I've been a ham radio operator since uh, 2018, I have made contact in 48 countries, 47 countries. Sorry. Wow. That's crazy. So it almost uh, kind of sounds like a high tech form of a uh, CB radio. It is. It is. Yes. It, it's, it's C. I want to call it. You want to say it's like uh, the bodybuilder version of CB radio. Uh, <laughs> you know, CB is cool. Uh, and that's where a lot of ham radio people get their start, you know, talking CB breaker, breaker one nine, talking to truck drivers and everything else. Or, you know, back in my day, you know, it was easier to do that than, you know, have a cell phone. You know, well, you know, when I was driving, I, I had a cell phone, but you had to pay for everything. But CB allowed me to talk to talk to my friends without using uh, cell phone minutes, you know, or anything like that. You just had a radio in the antenna and talk to anybody that you wanted as long as they had a radio. Um, the thing about CB is the only time it was really fun is if you could work something called skip and this is DX and skip is when you can pick up a station halfway. You can talk to people halfway across the country around the world. Um, but the thing about CB is skip is only open during the summer. So during the rest of the year with CB, you're only talking to people maybe three, four miles away. Uh, you know, with ham radio skip happens all day, every day. So, you know, I could literally turn the radio on right now. Well, you know, it's dark over in Europe now uh, when we're filming this. But, um, you know, a lot of times I can get up on get up in the morning and I can listen to guys talking to people in Europe. And as the day progresses, it changes where I can start picking up people on the West Coast or, you know, and it deals with the sun and all this other stuff. And you can pick up people um you know australia japan russia it just depends on what time of day it is you can talk to different groups and you know tying this all back into into broadcast you know a lot of times i'll i'll listen to radio stations and um you know i'll, I'll park on a channel and see what i can pick up uh and one, one of those recently was uh was am 1560 the station that i mentioned um 
earlier, their call is W. I think it's WFME now. And where is it WFME? New York, New York. So WFME used to be um, WQ, QXR and WQEW. They were owned by the New York Times. They were a um, what they call a uh, a class one or a clear channel radio station. And a clear channel radio station has are are and this is AM. We're not talking about FM at all. We're only talking AM because uh, everybody like, AM sucks. Well, back in the day, you had no choice. All you had was AM. Uh, but AM radio. Uh, if it was a clear channel, they're allowed 50,000 watts of power and 50,000 watts is the maximum you can have during the day. But at night, what happens is that radio wave will skip. And when it skips, it hits the, there's a layer around the, around the earth. And during the day, this layer is ionized and charged. So what happens is radio waves hit that, hit that layer and they stop and they just don't go any further. Well, when the sun dis- when the sun goes down, that layer appears, and when that layer appears, radio waves hit it and they come back down to the ground. And what happens is you have a radio station that you can only pick up maybe fifty or hundred miles away. Let's say your typical like K ninety seven five. Let's so let's say you're listening in Raleigh to K ninety seven five, and during the day you can pick them up in Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill, Roanoke Rapids. At night, you can pick up K ninety seven point five. In New York, you can pick them up in Oklahoma. You can pick them up in Florida. You can pick them up in Texas. You can pick them up in Chicago, you know? So that's, so what happens is, uh, you know, you have these radio stations that are 50,000 watts and they cover literally half the country. Um, um, I'm going to pull up, I'm going to pull up the station I'm talking about because I have a reason for it. Um, yeah, because that's the crazy saying. thing about AM is that at night, radio stations like WABC, WLS out of mm-hmm. Chicago, they would have yep. national reach. Yeah. I'm going to use location. Come on, Ern. <laughs> no, no, no. I have I have a different map. But yeah, yeah. Oh, I have the right map up. I have the right map up. Okay. Yeah. So so W so WFME out of New York, they were they were bought by a Christian broadcaster. So um so daytime I'm gonna pull up this radio station out of New York and you can see, and you can see other radio stations on the map that broadcast from that. So daytime, this radio station, this is their coverage area during the day from New York. And this is at night. Wow, that's you see big, the big difference? Big, big coverage area. Yeah, yeah. So that's daytime and night. So they um they actually recently went off the air. They sold their property, they went off the air. Um, AM radio is not really valuable anymore. Uh, they sold the prop, you know, because the radio, the property that the radio station sat on became more valuable than the radio station itself. So they sold the property that the radio station sat on for $51 million. Wow. And they just said, we're just going to take it off the air. Wow. Now, what is the yeah. difference in sound between regular AM and I know back in the day they had this thing called AM stereo? Okay, AM stereo, um, it was basically the, st- the you know, it's, it's, it's literally what it is. You have AM mono and AM stereo. And it it sounded a lot better. It just never took off. Uh, AM stereo, it it brought out all the good stuff, made, made, radio, it made AM radio sound good, but it was just too little too late. And the FCC didn't mandate it. Uh, AM stereo was actually invented in the late 50s. Um, 
It was invented at the same time they invented a, a FM stereo. So they, they made FM stereo, they made AM stereo, but the FCC said, no, we're going to, but AM is good right now. We don't, we don't want to mess with AM. We want to get FM radio going. So they said, we're going to do everything and get FM stereo going. So they approved FM stereo, didn't do anything with AM stereo. Then in the late seventies, the FCC is like, "Uh Oh, AM is dying. We got to do something. And then they went back to the drawing board and they saw all these people that had developed systems. One of them was called Kahn, K-A-H-N, uh, by this na- man named Leonard Kahn. He developed a system. Uh, Magnavox developed a system and Motorola developed a system. So you had three different systems for AM stereo. All of them did the same thing, but they just went about it a different way. So the FCC said, we're going to let the manufacturers decide which system they want to put in their radio. We're going to let the radio stations decide which systems they're going to put at their radio station. They didn't do this with FM stereo. They literally had different companies lobby and say, this is FM stereo. Which one are y'all going to choose? FCC pick one. And they mandated that one and sent it on its way. And FM stereo did good. So they did a let market decide with AM stereo. And that killed it. Because when you let the market decide, Everybody's going to go with something different. Some stations had Con, some stations had Magnavox, some said some had Motorola, and none of the three worked together. So if you got an AM stereo radio, you had to literally flip a little switch on the side to tell it which version of AM stereo it had. And most people don't know what, you know, you ask a person, you know, does it have a Magnavox system in it or CQAM, which is Motorola? I don't know. I just want my radio to play. So, <laughs> so when that happened, it, it pretty much killed it. So, so you had these three systems go all the way to 1989. And then in 89, they said, okay, we're going to mandate CQAM, which is Motorola system. By 89, everybody was like, we're done with AM stereo. We're done with AM radio, period. We're going to FM, you know? And that's what happened. Right. So um, even now, AM stereo is still a thing. It's just, Nobody really, um, nobody really cares about it anymore. I got an AM stereo Walkman here and I got a little, I bought it off of a guy. Um, he was literally selling on eBay for like 40 bucks and I bought it immediately. Um, because AM stereo radios are in demand. Like people will pay four or five, six hundred $600 for AM stereo receiver. Um, if you find it wow. and I'm like, there's like 10 radio stations in the country that are broadcasting AM stereo still. Man, so what you think led the switch from music being on AM over to FM and AM now pretty much being talk and sports radio? The fidelity. I mean, the fidelity is right there. Uh, the audio quality. I mean, AM is, is muffled. It's noisy. Um, the stations don't go as far. So you have those. Well, I wouldn't even put the range in range factor. The main thing is the fidelity and the noise, uh, electrical noise and na- natural noise is AM. It's naturally AM. So if you turn on a light and you have a radio too close to it, it's going to buzz and hiss. And if you're, you know, listening to the radio during a thunderstorm, you're going to hear all the lightning crackles, crackly, crackle, crackle, you know, all the time. You hear all the static clashes, anything you do with electricity. You put your phone near an, a radio and it turns to static. Their AM radio, FM radio doesn't doesn't have any of those issues. The fidelity is clear. It sounds like you're listening to a CD, you know. Um, 
And the thing is, AM radio can sound like FM. It really can. Um, but the problem is the manufacturers over time, people were complaining about the noise and the static. And when you try to fix one, you kind of lose something else, which is the fidelity. So to fix the noise issue and the static, you narrow the fidelity to almost telephone like, and you kind of fix that issue. Then you had the issue of loudness wars in the 70s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, where AM radio stations were broadcasting their signals so loud that they were interfering with other radio stations that were next door. So let's say you have, okay, case in point, you have Canada on AM 740 and you have Atlanta WSB on 750. Well, they, the government gives you 20 kilohertz of space. So you have from literally seven, so let's say 19. So you have from, so SB is on 750. You have from 741 to 759. That's your channel. That's about 10 kilohertz. Well, about 19 kilohertz each way. So that's your bandwidth, 10 kilohertz of audio bandwidth. What happened is the radio stations would literally, you know, music, we can hear up to 20 kilohertz. So what was happening is, you were playing a song that had 20 kilohertz of bandwidth, what we can actually hear, what the, what the human ear can hear. And it's and their radio station might be going from 720 <laughs> to 760, you know, to cover all that bandwidth of the song. You know, so the government in 1980, you know, 1989 said, no, we got to do something about this. So they narrowed the bandwidth to 10 kilohertz. So when you narrow it to 10 kilohertz, you kind of, you know, it's kind of like listening to it over Skype. You know, but the problem is most radios narrow it down even more. So now you're at five. So your average radio is about three to five kilohertz, which is telephone quality. But the broadcasters do 10 and 10 sounds pretty good. Um, I guess when, when we get off the Skype, I can send you some clips of some radio stations because I have a radio here that will do 10 kilohertz. And man, the stations sound great. Problem is that, you know, unless you want to buy one of these, which is a, let me disconnect my antenna from it. As you can it's see, Earn, a, um, Earn has all the electronics. <laughs> it's called a software-defined radio. And this is what it is. It's, a, it's literally, it, it plugs into the computer. This little box. And, have, you know, I have my little connectors on it. And it plugs into the computer. And I can listen to radio all over the world. I can listen to radio and I can make the bandwidth wide enough to where Everything is crystal clear. AM radio sounds great. FM radio sounds great. But not a lot of people are going to go through the effort to spend a hundred bucks on a radio like this. You know, this 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 little box right here was a hundred dollars. Nobody can go out. You know, your average consumer is not going to do that. I'm going to go to the dollar store and buy a radio for three dollars. You know. Yeah, this podcast interview brought to you by Ernst Electronics. For all your electronic needs, <laughs> receivers, HD tuners, antennas, the yes. whole nine yards, come see Ernst, yes. Ernst Electronics. Do you have to have an antenna to pick up the radio, man? So, you know, you know, it's like, you know, then your favorite radio station has to reduce power because the guys like this out of New York, you know, so because, you know, if, if each radio station doesn't reduce power, uh, they were all, you know, it'd all be a jumbled mess of of static, 
You know, you be, you know, you might be thinking, oh man, I'm listening to my favorite station here in Winston. No, you're listening to a station in, in Texas, you know, and you're like, I don't want to hear no crap out of Texas. I want to hear my station right here in the city. Well, too bad, you know? So that was, that was the other, you know, kind of nail in the coffin for AM radio was the coverage. You know, the station's just, you know, at night, the station's got to change. And it was when I worked in a Husky, we, we had to go off the air at night. Um, you know, to protect, uh, I think there was a station up in Pittsburgh that we had to protect, you know? So literally we had a, a radio in the lobby where we would turn the radio station off at sunset, which varied month to month. Um, you would hear a station, you know, you would hear the station blaring out of Pittsburgh. We just come in, you know, it wasn't Pittsburgh. It was a station upstate New York that we were here or Florida. Wow. That, um, that's crazy. So you got to think about it, you know, and from a money standpoint, these stations were struggling. You know, you got to think afternoon drive for a radio station is a lot of money and afternoon drive. Okay. Afternoon drive is five o'clock in December and the sun is going down, which means the radio station has to go off the air right when everybody's going home from work and they can't make any money because no advertiser is going to pay for a radio station that ain't on the air. So, uh, that was another one. So, but you know, now they're not a station of Husky's 24 hours, but it's so low power. You can only pick it up in a Husky. Right. So pretty much almost kind of sounds like how WAG is because WAG, I don't know if the wattage has changed since I left, but when I was there, no. it was only 18 Watts because you can only pick it yep, up 18 around watts. the UNCG campus. So pretty much once you went yeah. outside of UNCG, you couldn't hear it. Yeah, they were they were class D. They were class D, not commercial. Um, they're they're grandfathered in. They can't change it. If they change, they can't change anything about WAG's radio station. I looked into that. They at some point, probably about ten years ago, they applied to upgrade and it was denied. And the government basically told them they said, uh, you know, you actually have more power than you're supposed to. We gave you 18 watts, and you're supposed to have 10. <laughs> so, so, so be thankful with you that. Know, <laughs> yeah, be thankful for that 18 you got because you're only supposed to have 10 and somehow you got 18 and we don't know how you got 18. So you'd be better be happy with it 18. Mm -hmm. So understand and be grateful. Now I so, want to know, do you know the story behind the infamous showdown video? No, I don't. Um but I know he was at an open mic. Yeah, yeah. I know he was <laughs> Yeah, I know he was at open mic and he was performing and uh, Dana Lucci was filming, R.I.P. Dana. Um, Dana was filming, I think they were at open mic performance and, you know, from the video, you can tell, pretty much tell what happened. He he was talking to the crowd, trying to get them hyped. The, you like, like Pet Rocks? That were there. <laughs> you don't like Zelensky? Yeah, like oh my God, all them, all them hip hop acts from, from North Carolina at the time, bro, like, yeah, they were, they were great. Those were the greats, man. So, yeah, he just, you know, he obviously he walked to the, you know, he misjudged the step, walked over to the edge of the stage and fell. Uh, what what made the video even more funny was the person that was drunk telling him to get up. That's what made it even more hilarious. That was Dana. That was Dana. Oh, for you know, right? Dana Lucci. Yeah. Yeah, because that's who was filming it. That's, a, that's who was filming the video was Dana Lucci. 
rest in peace. And um, I didn't know about the strong history of hip hop in the triad until I moved yeah. up there to go to UNCG and how yes. you know, the Busy Boys and of course that was the start of Ski Beats who later went on to do Camp Low, Jay-Z, Reasonable Doubt and really was one of the first to put on for NC hip hop wise. Yes, 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 yes. That's a fact. And of course, you know, Ninth Wonder lives 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 in Winston Salem, mm. so yeah. So there's a lot a lot of NC hip hop, man. Like like one thing we figured out at, at jams, man. You know, and a lot of a, you know dealing with a lot of A and R's, man, and a lot of artists, you know, came through. It's like they literally brought them to North Carolina first. They brought them to Greensboro first to see if the records would work here, and if it worked here, they moved them everywhere else. So a lot of times we got a lot of first run artists here um, before anybody else got them. Um, you know, most notable I can think of like two chains. Two chains started right here in North Carolina. I mean, his movement started in North Carolina. Shout out DJ East Sud. Um, Travis Porter, the same way. Ray Shrummerd, uh, City Girls. Um, oh my God, there's so many artists that I've met through Cardi B, um, T Pain, <laughs> you know, like a lot of these artists, you know, they they were coming through North Carolina because that was that was the hot spot, you know, you know. Uh, you know, you make it out of NC, you got something. You know, you bring your records here, you got something. Right, and I definitely am glad to see where NC is hip hop wise with Rhapsody, the Baby, Luke Nasty, yeah. Stunner for Vegas. Yeah. Same, and same how- thing with the Baby, man. Like I, I didn't know it. I was cleaning out my phone one day, and I realized I had the Baby's personal cell in my phone. I, you know, I totally forgot I had it. You know, because the Baby used to be up. You know, used to come to jams like mm, I probably met him like four or five times. You know, he was always bringing records up, you know, he'd come back, hang up, hang out at the station with us, you know, eat dinner, whatever, you know, that was, that was the guy. Right. Cause I always felt for the longest before this wave of uh, NC hip hop. And also we got to mention Petey Pablo p- put on yes. how um yes, yes, yes. all of this, you know, North Carolina, I felt was stuck between either trying to follow what was coming out of Atlanta or looking, seeing what was going on in Virginia, where it was like, okay, yeah. we got the Neptunes, Clips, everything, Timberland coming out of VA, and we have the whole Atlanta thing, and NC, where do we fit? Because we're literally in the middle between those two states. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Being, being here in North Carolina, you get, you get the uh, infusion of the North and the South. Um, growing up, you know, getting my, my biggest influence was radio. So a lot of times we heard Virginia North. So we didn't hear a lot of North Carolina. About the first, my first experience was that was raised up, you know, I knew about Outkast and Ghetto Boys and, you know, all the West Coast artists, but mostly everything was New York, New York, New York, New York, New York, New York. Then when I got to A&T and I mean, I'm, you know, getting all these people from Atlanta and Florida, Texas, you know, we had DC folks too, you know? So, so I, I didn't learn about like, I, you know, I knew about DC, you know, I knew about GoGo, but I didn't really know, know, know about it till I got to A&T and like running all these DC heads. I didn't really know about Atlanta music. And I'm like, when I found out about Atlanta music, I'm like, yo, this is it. You know, you know, I, I really felt I fell in love with 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 ATL music. I really did. I like, uh, you know, I like New York style music, but I fell in love with the Atlanta sound. Yeah, but I'm sure back during your club DJing days, the promoter or owner of the nightclub had a list of no no songs that you couldn't play because if you did, a fight was going to break out. 
Well, it wasn't necessarily a, a, a list, like a physical list. It was just a mental note of don't play these songs, <laughs> you know, and it was more trial and error than anything. You know, you, you know, you just kind of made a note like, okay, I played this song, fight broke out. They started shooting outside. Okay. I'm not playing that record anymore. You know, uh, that came along with <laughs> when I DJed uh, North Carolina Central and they hired uh crime mob. They, they booked crime mob, the headline and crime mob did their whole show for North Carolina Central homecoming. And they did not play Nucky. They did not sing Nucky if you buck. And this was probably like 09, 08, 09. And they tried to get away with not sing, not performing Nucky if you buck. And the crowd started chanting the record as they were walking off stage. Nucky if you buck. Nucky, you know, there's a whole bunch of college kids. So they were going crazy. They they ran back on stage and, they, and the DJ, you know, you heard, so like DJ fumbled and dropped it. Man, the whole gym erupted. It was the craziest thing ever because you kn- I know for a fact somebody there probably told him, you ain't getting paid if y'all perform Nucky if you buck, you know, or y'all better not perform Nucky if you buck because they're going to start fighting. They're like, no, nah, man, these are college kids. They ain't going to fight. We ain't dealing with no drug dealers here, you know, or shooters. These are all college kids. And if they do fight, it's going to be their best friend. Probably be uh, some Omegas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, it's, yeah, it's like the same reaction with if you play Bia Bia, any of the Lil John East Side Boy yeah. stuff, Crunk Era, yeah. and Memphis 3 6 Mafia to the club up. Yeah, so so there's a difference, you know, there's a difference between doing college parties and doing hood parties. So a What's lot of times you could get away with those. I mean, you could get away with those big hood club records, them, them big hood, hood shoot up, shoot up the, you know, shoot up the neighborhood. <laughs> You know, beat up your grandma records in the college parties, and they would turn it to a next level. You play those same records in the hood clubs, you might get shot. You know, mm-hmm. because you're dealing with a different the mindset. Element. You the know, element. dealing with a different element. Yeah. So you know, college parties, you can play those records, get away with it. Why? Because everybody's college age, and they they ain't. You know, they you know they're not. Most of them, you know, even if they came from poor backgrounds, they're not in that mindset like. You know, I'm gonna fight that dude next to me if we if the DJ play that record. You know, they ain't in that mindset. So, um, yeah. you know, but uh, you know, as time went on, as the crunk era really got, you know, in and trap era really started getting big, you know, you didn't see people fighting because a song was playing. You know, if people came to the club, if they were gonna fight, they were gonna fight regardless of what song you're ever gonna play. The song and just added more fuel to the fire. It seemed like, yeah, to to somebody on the outside looking in, like let's say a club promoter or you know somebody that or or the club owner, especially the club owner, they looked they looked at it like the song is the problem, and the person that is playing the song is the problem, like the DJ. It's not, you know, if you know. Um, it was the Buddha brothers. I still remember, still remember what they said. There's three types of people that come to the club. There's one, there's the, there's this one person. They come to the club to party. When they step through the door, they dancing and they don't stop dancing till they leave. Uh, then you have number two. These are kind of the bougie people. They come in the club. They come to look good. They come socialize, chill, hang out, you know, their song come on, they can party. Most of the time, they're just chilling, you know, but they enjoying the vibe. They're good. Then you have the third. They come to the club to fight. 
they can't they wish a mother effer would <laughs> aka so, the element yes so that's all they come to the club for they they don't come for anything else you don't see them like they just in the and you'll see them when they walk through the door they you know wait who, they you know wish they somebody would you know yeah. who they are yeah. and you know yeah. what they smell like duchess mm-hmm. yeah they feel it blunt <laughs> black and it might not you know it might not even be that. That could be the chill crowd too. That could be the chill crowd. You know, sometimes the chill, the chill folks, they might, you know, I'm gonna smoke a little something, you know, before I, before I get into the club and it'll mellow them out. You know? So so though, so that crowd isn't the problem. The crowd, the, the crowd is the wish, the wish I would wish somebody would. Or, oh, oh, I know somebody, or you know, you know, somebody call them up, hey man, that that guy you've been looking for, he in the club. All right, bet, pulling up. So, you know. My worst, my worst fight that I ever had. <laughs> yes, I gotta hear this. Yes, we gotta, we gotta hear this. It happened at Music City. Music the song City. I was playing when the fight broke out was Frankie Beverly and Maze before I let go. That is not the song to start mashing people out to. That was the song that started a brawl i mean not not the song started but that was the song that was playing when the brawl broke out <laughs> i mean there was at least 1500 people in there and i mean it was like you know it's like every big bar scene fight movie that you ever want to see that's what happened in there oh, and man. it was like and it was like you know everybody was like okay up oh, party over so people started falling out they was like can i pop pop Skitty that pop. I was like, oh, nope, everybody coming back in the building. building. So they went to the like car to go get the tool. Yeah, and this was a college party. <laughs> this was a college party where this happened at, you know, and some other stuff happened after that, but I'll, I'll leave that part out because it, it wasn't good. Man, so, that, that's crazy. It almost makes you want to turn the music down and repeat the end of Jay Z's 22 yeah. News. Was like, see, that's why we as a people don't have anything because we don't know how to go in places. <laughs> Yo, who said that? So I I still, I still remember a few months later, same, same venue. The owner came up to me and looked at me and said, I did a teen party and I played the electric slide. And I had every single kid in there doing the electric slide. And the owner came and the, and the, and the, uh, the, the club manager came up to me and said, how in the world did you do that? I was like, what you mean? I'm just, Playing music, you know, and you know, what was playing, what's crazy is I was playing all those hood records. I was playing all those turn up records for the kids and they won't fight. And there's a balance to it. As a DJ, you got to figure out the balance, but you know, especially for, for, for teenagers, you know, but you know, it was like, they had never seen a DJ do that before. And it's just about crowd control. It's about knowing how, you know, a lot of times with, with DJing, it's not knowing, it's, uh, it's not knowing what songs to play. It's knowing when to play them. Because mm, you are the conductor, you gotta read mm-hmm. the room. Now with radio, it's, it's hardly ever. It's hardly ever about what songs you play. It's when you play them. When yeah. it comes to clubs, yeah. Now with radio, with streaming and podcasting, <laughs> how does radio find its place in today's uh, media landscape with everything digital? And kids now are not knowing the idea of having to wait between X amount of time before you hear a song <laughs> where I can just oh yeah, click you it, hit, you hit the skip button. Well, I well, radio's always been a passive media. Um, you know, it's one of a lot of times and a lot of people use radio to kind of fill fill the void per se. You know, you're driving in your car, you turn the radio on. Yeah, you just have it playing. You know, it kind of 
breaks the monotony of driving. Uh, with podcasts, it's a little different because you can skip, skim, forward through podcasts. Same thing with with a lot of streaming apps. Until you hit that limit, then they're like, "No, you can't. You can't fast forward anymore." So um, I, it's an uphill battle for radio. They just got to figure out how to reinvent themselves and how to figure out a way to to engage the audience. I definitely don't have the answer. I'm not smart enough to have the answer. I just have ideas of what I think should work. And one, one of the things that I really feel that radio is getting away from is actually playing what people want to hear. And, you know, some stations do better jobs of it than others. Um, and this is one of the things that I learned, you know, I like to call it the Brian Douglas school of broadcasting, you know, play the hits, play the songs people want to hear, you know, you know, and, and, you know, I travel around and I listen to radio stations like brand new banger and they play this record that I've never heard in my life. And then the next song, another record I've never heard in my life. Then another song I've never, ever heard of. And then you think about the average listener. They ain't going to listen through four songs they never heard. They turn the radio on because they want to hear that favorite record. When you come to the club, you want to hear that favorite record. That's why I tell artists and stuff like, you know, you know, you know, I'll pay you a hundred dollars to, to to play my song right now. It's a big hit. And I look at him like, you full of it, bro. That record ain't going to work. I was like, here's what I do. If this record works, I will give you money. If it doesn't work, you have to pay me. I haven't lost that bet yet. <laughs> I haven't. I have not. I have watched so many artists records think they have a bona fide hit in the club and it wipes a dance floor clean like you can eat off the dance floor how bad that record does so what was that record as worse as feeling you okay feeling it's, it's not necessarily see and, it's, and, and that's the thing it's not necessarily a bad record it's just people aren't familiar with it i've seen hits do that before i've seen big hit records do that before when i was playing cardi b when i was playing cardi b's early records Nobody out here, you know, I was, you know, I was playing these records and it was clear in the dance floor and everybody was like, yo, why are you playing this trash for? And I'm like, yo, this record's about to blow. This artist is about to blow. They're like, nah, man, let's play some boozy. Okay. But it almost feels, <laughs> you know, if they take the cue from radio and others when a record pops and then take you it from play others. and it's not really the risk involved where DJs mm -hmm. would break records. Yeah. I mean, it's a perpetual cycle. So, I mean, I've done it many a times where, you know, I've been a little early on a song and they're like, man, why are you playing this trash for? Then a few weeks later, they're like, oh, man, you got to play that record. And I was like, you know, I've been on that record for like three, four months now. You're just learning it now. Yeah, you're, you're, you're late to the game. You're late to the game. And before we wrap, do you have any projects that's in store that people can look out for? Brand new TNT, uh, Saints and Sinners, Praise um, and Worship mixtape? or. <laughs> Uh, DJ Earn Church Service. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Pastor about Earn. How could they feel? But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> in the Leeds Funeral Home Studios. <laughs> Gospel Mix Show. Where we're, where we're lit for the dead. <laughs> right we're here. Full of, we're full of praise <laughs> and with the burning bush. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dropping another power hits. <laughs> From the Leeds Funeral Home Studios right here in your big city. Here's a power praise. 
Yes, power praise. Anyway, um, no, what I really big, uh, what really kind of took the place of mixtapes is podcasts and uh, my live streams. So I'm doing a lot on Twitch now, uh, streaming three times a week on Twitch, twitch.tv slash I am DJ Earn. I know you can probably throw a linky, linky to link somewhere in there. Uh, IG, Facebook, Twitter, it's all the same. DJ Earn, DJ E-R-N. So that's where I'm doing a lot of my projects uh, and, and my mix cloud as well. So that's kind of took the place for mixtapes. You know, uh, you know, you're kind of doing these small one-off podcasts versus, you know, putting out a big production mixtape. And a lot of DJs are going that route. Right. And I'm sure you're probably doing the earn bounce on Twitch for all of your uh, followers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. You know, I'm using my Twitch setup now. That's how I'm able to, you know, pull up pictures and all that good stuff. Yeah, man. So you definitely gave all the links to the social media, all that good stuff. So give them out again and give any shout outs. Uh, uh, Twitch is twitch.tv slash I am DJ Earn. I am DJ E-R-N. Uh, Facebook is DJ E-R-N. Instagram, same thing, DJ E-R-N. Which one did I miss? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. All I'm the same. <laughs> I want Snapchat, but I never use it. Same thing with TikTok. It's like I'm up there, but it's just to park my account. But I'm on those accounts. So if you want to follow me over there too, you know, I, I will throw a follow back from time to time. So yeah, just big shout out to everybody that's been rocking with me, all my DJ fam, you know, you, Jay Mace, for bring me on the show. This is very interesting. You really had me uh, nerding out there for a minute. So that was cool. A lot of people don't really like, man, what are you talking about over there, man? I don't talk about them gigawatts. Yeah, uh, man. But uh, like I said, this has been fun. We go way back like four flats in the Cadillac and you can catch this interview <laughs> on audio and streaming platform available wherever you stream Anchor Breaker, Apple, TuneIn, Spotify, Verbal, and on YouTube, youtube.com slash beyond the album cover. And be sure to follow the Facebook group, facebook.com slash beyond the album cover to stay updated with the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, my good friend, DJ Earn. Thank you for coming on to Beyond the Album Cover, bro. Thanks you, bro. Thank you, bro. That was it was really an honor to be here. Yeah, no problem.